Hi, this is Chad Pfeiffer. And I'm Chris Lackey from the HP Lovecraft Literary Podcast. And you are listening to Seven Land Hand. Get it. HPPodcraft.com. It's Seven Land Hand. Burgle, burgle, burgle. Brought to you by Good Games. Here's the bank and there's the meeple. Talk to Tim Fowers and ask for a sequel. That's our mission today as we go a burgling with Burgle Brothers. Grab a raven, rigger or a rook. We're all brothers from a different mother, even if some are sisters. It's co-op Grand Theft Desperado with more lasers and labs than hibernation sickness, hand sea and eye dog. Woof! This is that Seven Land Hand. I think I partially forgot the name of the podcast then. I, I think you did. Yeah, it's Seven Land Hand. Burgle Brothers is a cooperative grid movement heist game from Tim Fowers. It was released in 2015 via Kickstarter and was designed by mathematical madman Tim Fowers. That's right, this was self-published. It's a game for one to four players and takes about 90 minutes of play. Or a lot less if you lose all your stealth tokens or aren't good at saying, It wasn't me. Thanks, Matt. In 2015, it was nominated for Golden Geek's Best Thematic Board Game, Best Solo Board Game, and Best Family Board Game. Lots of bests. Uh, the game's elevator pitch reads as follows. From the creators of Walkstar and Paperback, it's Burgle Brothers, a cooperative heist board game. Burgle Brothers blends easy-to-learn rules with brain-twisting puzzles and high-tension excitement. Uh, one disclaimer before we proceed. Tim Fowers is not actually a madman. However, well... It's a dirty story of a dirty man with a clinging wife who just doesn't understand. In short, he wanted to be a writer of some kind. But what does it all mean to gamers? With more picked noses than a picked locks, it's misappropriating Matt McHale. Paperback writer. Thanks, man. That was a reference to the 60s. Yeah, I've, I'm going back in time. <laughs> Before long, it'll be like I'm Renaissance, actually surprised Renaissance they jokes. Yeah, I know. It's good. <laughs> And, um, and maybe and maybe Jamie uh, Larsony Lawrence will be joining us later on, but he's all tied up in Hurstville. I know what he'd say. Lucky bugger. He'd say something along the lines of, "He'd call me on something I did wrong in the intro there." Oh, did he? Yeah, he'd say it wasn't Han Solo that had hypernation sickness. <laughs> it was actually <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, that's probably what he'd say. Yeah, that's what he'd say. Uh, so stop cracking, start cracking them knuckles. Stop cracking them knuckles. Stop cracking them knuckles. And start turning tumblers. What's inside your geeky safes this week, my friend? I'll tell you what's in my geeky safe. My brother? Crom. What? Crom. Is that a character from something better known? It's who... Who's Crom? It's who Conan. I'm reading your notes now. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's You're who Conan about... would call for. Yeah, I've been listening to Cromcast podcast. Which is uh, a Robert E. Howard uh, love and podcast. Yeah, that's the one you were talking about during the week. And you yeah. and Jamie were talking about the Conan cast. That's and it. I was doing all that about Conan O'Brien has a podcast. Oh, gosh. And I never actually tuned into what you were actually talking about. That's right. You Now's missed your it completely. That's your opportunity to tell me yeah. all about it. What's going well, on? Well, you know, we're big fans of uh, the HP Podcraft Literary oh, Podcast. Man, I, I'm in so in love with that. I'm listening yeah. to it every day. They were the bump uh, at the top of the show. They were the bump at the top of the show. Those guys, so funny. Well, these guys... And knowledgeable. Yeah. <laughs> these guys do the same sort of thing, but they are going through the works of uh, Robert E. Howard, who is okay. the... Uh, Conan dude. Conan dude, yeah. He Funny wrote Conan O'Brien. he's been around... Well, he was at the same sort of era as HP. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, he was Robert most, E. Howard, right? Yeah. 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 And there was... There's, is, yeah, definitely. It was like one of those... Um, 
guys, I get them all mixed up, like August, August Derleth mm. and uh, Robert E. Howard and E.F. Benson. and Not Hemingway, you know, he's got his own thing going on. Oh. But then there's all of these... Because did uh, Robert E. Howard, he did some weird fiction as well, didn't Well, a he? lot of his stuff was published through Weird Tales yeah. magazine, which is where H.P. got his start. Yeah, well, he, did, he never got his start. He just well. bumbled along and then died. <laughs> he, no, seriously, that was pretty much it. What, what is it with these guys? Because they've all got tragic stories. Um, Robert E. Howard committed suicide. It takes, you know, I've, I've been listening to the, you know, like, uh, there's, uh, like the Mark Maron podcast that I listen to. Uh, he was interviewing someone the other day, and they, you know, this seems a definite theme of you know, like people with tragedy or hard upbringings. Uh, it kind of spawns mm. artists. Like I'm not a big Bruce Springsteen fan. I think he was talking to Bruce Springsteen. Springsteen. Yeah, and he was saying. A nice, lovely upbringing with supportive parents doesn't breed a rock star. You need no. a kind of a, oh, crap, I've got to struggle against something <laughs> and I'm, f- I'm fighting the fight, and then you get somewhere. I think it's the same in literature you as well. You need a little you know? bit of torture. Yeah, that's why, uh, <laughs> that's why I'm going to be a good writer because it's all the um, whipping that you give me all the time there, man. <laughs> well, you know, I've worn out the I'll last it, one. I'll let I it let a new out. One. Uh, the, the thing is they're so prolific. At the, in their time. I think Howard's first no, stories... No, Facebook is, is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Howard's first stories came out in Weird Tales in the 30s. Mm. So, And then he had them in every single ep- uh, edition yeah, so for, Ray, for quite I'm some pretty time. sure Ray Bradbury was in there as yeah. well, and like he's a different. He's more, I think, been more of a sci-fi guy. Mm. But he's everybody loves Ray Bradbury. If you don't know who Ray Bradbury is, go <laughs> and read him, and you'll love him. He's just the best. Yeah, he's that guy. He's the one for anyone listening that finished first in the f- ice skating when everybody else fell down. Correct. What are you talking about? The Winter Olympics when oh right no. Bradbury yeah there was won. Bra- his last name was, was Bradbury him? wasn't it yeah, that's yeah what we're no, talking Ray, about, right? no Ray Bradbury is the guy who wrote all these amazing short stories in the oh, fifty he died in about twenty oh, I'm, I'm going to make up uh, bad facts fair yeah. enough yeah look look on Wikipedia that'll tell you when he died <laughs> if you need to know but my connection with him I in in high school flashback here i would go to the library yes that happened and there were some audio cassettes where ray bradbury not personally on those ones it was a copy of had read it was him reading his stories on his audio cassette and i must have had them out between (laughs) year nine and year 12 just continuously you know you just go back to the library and go yeah just renew this for me and there's and you'd take it away again so every couple of weeks you just go back renew it and uh yeah, they were like mine. And so what do they do when you bring it back and it can no longer be listened to? What do you mean? I looked after that stuff. It was... Oh, I'm it was sure good. you did. Yeah. I'm sure you looked after oh, it really well. There was that one that I recorded over the top of me and my girlfriend. <laughs> no, don't worry. Oh, no, that's <laughs> terrible. No, no, it didn't happen. So, yeah. Well, that's what I've been doing for the last week since we last met. Yeah. Wow, we just turned into a literary podcast. <laughs> Occasionally, Aaron and I turn our magic show into a football review. But, there you um, go. That doesn't always happen, listener. Don't. And I'm not interested. Oh, uh, come on. But Chromecast. <laughs> yeah, so... It's Check on it iTunes. Out. You can find it. Yeah. yeah, they've got Twitter and all that sort of thing. I'll let you do the search searching, but uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. They've got a few seasons up now under their belt. Been going about as long as we have, actually. Hey, just a, a bit of a follow up to our last surprise uh, Seven Land Hand extra. Mm. It was on a Thunderstone Quest, right? Yeah, that has now launched, and they're about a billion dollars over what? Um, a billion. A billion. Holy cow! Um, there's two hundred thirty-eight thousand four hundred eighty-three dollars of fifty grand uh, being pledged. So they're going to do it. Well, it's not quite a billion dollars. In my mind, that's a billion dollars. If you gave me a billion dollars and two hundred thirty-eight thousand, I probably won't be able to tell the difference. That's true. Um, but the cool thing is, 
you can also sponsor drop in name drop here you can you can um i'm not sure how it works exactly but you can go on your local good games and you can uh kickstart that through your good games wow. store and i think that might mean that i don't know how it works but maybe that means we get to save money on uh shipping or something like that because they'll probably uh, be like yep. stick in a big box ship it all to one place and then we're not having to fork out for shipping that makes sense clever aeg move that one i reckon yeah. that sounds like the, the retailer's tier things like that where you can yeah there's some, something along there yeah, but they're actually directing good. it towards them and, and it looks looks great <clears throat> uh you know you'll be very happy to know and as, as i am that the yellow meeple has been uh, burnt and destroyed and they're replacing it with miniatures i saw those Ooh. yeah they look very nice yeah, yeah. but it, it does make me question it now because you know i was always uh anti-meeple but every time i play meeple i love them <laughs> <laughs> but you know you say oh here's a new meeple game oh we're playing one today and i'm like oh no i'm not gonna like that it's got meeples in it but then but we'll, we'll see what happens <laughs> I don't know if they're technically all meeples uh well we've got meeple stickers oh like, we're jumping ahead to the review wooden chunk whatever you call it slabs of wood bits of sort off two by four Hey, in, uh, in other words, in other uh, news on our Facebook page as well, you can just go along there. And we've actually got uh, a post running at the moment, which mm. is asking the listener, the, the community at large, is there a seven land hand you can keep? I saw that. Yeah. yeah. And people uh, are and jumping on that. It was way too that. intellectual for me. I know. It, it's way above our um, pay scale. But mm. you know, people are, really know what they're talking about yeah. are getting engaged in that. And I'd love to see what you, the listener, thinks. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, get on there and have a look. I'm really um, curious to find out what's underneath that uh, the black card with the question mark. Well, the whole uh, graphic's a bit misleading. I was having a, a chat with Ben Evans on our... He, he entered on our board games post. Yeah. I was having a bit of a chat about him. He said, surely there's a seven land hand in any format that you could keep and i was like oh, that sounds like a great idea so he mentioned uh two cards uh which i got the graphics for and uh stuck it on there and just said all right we'll just throw it out to the community and see what comes up no it's a great idea um, yeah no, because you, you know you wouldn't want to be stuck with a handful of mountains oh look i'd be quite happy with seven swamps look I th- i'm a purist i think the seven land hand should be all basic lands because that's about as crap as you could get well, put it this way. It's a proper seven line if, I know we're bleeding over into Magic's ter- yeah. MTG podcast territory, but if you had seven swamps or seven <laughs> planes or whatever. Back, definitely. But then you've, you've got to realise you've taken seven lands out of your deck. Don't, don't go there, Matt. So you've got a pretty good chance of top decking something that's going to be useful, no, right? That's, that's the number one rule in Magic is don't, <laughs> don't draw on hope. No matter what you've got in your hand, don't go, oh, I hope I get this card next because you're about to lose that game. That's why I'm a lousy player. Yeah. Oh, I'm lousy <laughs> too, but that's because I panic. No, I think, I think um, maybe the, the fo- one, like Noah Bradley Forest from, you know, that beautiful, beautiful yeah. forest card they did. If I had seven of those, I'd just like, I'm not throwing you back, darling. <laughs> <laughs> Darlings. Well, what if you, you, instead it's based on artwork. So if you've got seven of the best well, that's full it. art Noel lands. Bradley, Noel Bradley, full art, forest you're land. Keep oh, it. man, I'm keeping that. Yeah. <laughs> that's what my entry should be. All right, shh, 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 listener, I'll put that out there. That's, that's my entry. Yeah. There you go. Uh, what else have you got? We can uh, geek style. Well, uh, in Kickstarter theme of World, things, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Terminator. Up. Oh, has that been kickstarted? The Terminator RPG. I'll make it legit. Not yeah. Terminator RPG. Terminator board game, in fact, yeah. has been released. I was saying Terminator RPG because the Invictus stream has just done a Terminator RPG the other night, All right. which don't, you can check out. Don't do the, don't do the uh, <laughs> Invictus stream loving. Sometimes they go for 10, 15 minutes. I love my Invictus stream. 
But uh, yeah, Terminator, the board game. Yeah. Uh, what's, Minis what's that about? Minis and yeah. everything, yeah. And it seems to be, it's licensed, so it seems to follow the movies all the way back to the... Uh, the first one, yeah, but that usually and then the second one and the third one. But is it gonna? Does it look like it's gonna be okay, or is it like you know when the novel of the movie comes out and it's just crap? Well, the jury's still out. <laughs> who's on that doing one. it? Do we know who does? Uh, it? No, I, I didn't actually catch it. I just caught it in a bit of news. I didn't see who was putting it out. Okay. But, uh, uh, again, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Have a look for yourself if you're interested. Oh, that's a tip off. That's what we're doing today. We're just giving you a little, like, little sniff, little yeah. nibble. Have off a you look. go. Go out into the wide world and have a look. Yeah. I've just been playing it. I've, you know, since last week, for only recorded last week, I've been playing a crap ton of Titanfall 2. Yeah. And my other thing... That, Speaking uh, of things that you're always on about. Yeah. And the other thing uh, I'm always on, I would normally talk about, I got banned from talking about. So I'll save that until <laughs> I've got an appreciative audience with the Magic Crew. <laughs> oh, okay. Fair enough. You know who that is? That's Aaron, right? No. Oh, no, no. Not, <laughs> not what I was going to talk about. Uh, yeah. Look forward to the next podcast when I'll be talking Dave Chappelle. Uh. Some controversial stuff there, my friend. You should, you should tune into that. That'll be good. That'll be in a fortnight's time. Yeah. Yeah, boy. He doesn't say boy. Oh, right. Okay. You're not a Wrong purist. person then. Yeah, he does yeah and okay <laughs> and what. That's little John. Little John. I don't even know who that oh. is. I'm not here. Matt, sit down. Sit down. All right. What else have we got? Are we got anything else on Weekend Geek? Uh, no, I think that's We're scratching the bottom of the barrel. We've got to get hard, hard geeking in the next uh, month. Cause that's the trouble. We do too many shows too close together. We run out of things to run say. Out of, oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh. Netflix. We haven't oh, mentioned yeah, yeah. anything about Netflix or anything else that streams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I finally finished Luke Cage. Okay. Well, I've been going, I know it's been out for a while, but I put it aside. <laughs> it's about ready for season two, uh, isn't it? I know. I put it aside because I was trying to get through uh, the... Preacher and, and all those yeah. other things. So I, I, I need to get back to the preacher. Did all, all season two for the preachers about to start. Yeah, see, I stopped with that, and only because for no good reason. Something else came out and distracted me. Yeah, probably a bit like Luke Cage. So that's the thing. We, we can like you enjoyed Luke Cage, didn't yeah? Because Jamie disagrees with everything that we like, but I think he might like <laughs> Luke Cage. That's not true. No, he does. Just he, most things. Yeah, <laughs> like Jessica Jones. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. You I like, like Jessica Jones. Yeah, me too. He hates Jessica Jones. Oh. I know it's controversial, right? It's a good job he's not here, otherwise we'll be arguing about it. <laughs> um, you'll be proud to know that I yeah. didn't go back to the Shannara Chronicles. I've stuck to my guns and I'm not watching that. See, I've already forgotten about that. Crap again. Cause, yeah, because it sounded like garbage. Yep. And, uh, but yeah, no, Luke Cage. Yeah. Uh, Any, so good. I so really if enjoyed it. If you've it. missed it, like Matt will go back to these series that we've, were out a long time ago. Yeah. And in Netflix world, what's that? Seven or eight months? Yeah, something like that. And, and Luke Cage is definitely watchable. It's like good, it's good, good, good. Yeah, um, Voltron. Hey, that you know the nurse. She's getting a gig in everything. <laughs> she's in the movies. She's in Luke. Yeah. yeah, but she's the crossover. She's in everything. She was in Sin City. She was like the hardcore, yeah. like brothel queen, like prostitute boss. And now she's just in every single Marvel TV show ever. And I think I saw a pre- promo of a movie that she was in. Is she in Iron Fist, which is about to come out? Well, uh, yeah, I think she. That looks. Dumb man. Again, Jamie loves that. I, I mean, as soon as I saw that, I thought, "Well, isn't that the plot of Arrow?" Oh, you know, guy. So I think I've heard someone else say that. Guy <clears throat> gets stranded on an island, and comes back years and yeah. years later with an iron fist to take over a business or whatever. I watched a short film on the internet called Iron Fist once. It was yeah, yeah, very brief. I watched Fist of the <laughs> North Star. You missed that one. That went over your head, didn't it, Matt? That was a porn reference. <laughs> yeah. So it was Fist of the North Star. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I think we really are scraping the barrel. Yeah, no, it, yeah, we are. But <laughs> look, I remember when you know when they said we're going to do a show called Ant Man, and I thought, well, that yeah. sounds stupid, and it came Didn't out know how it was going to work, and I loved it. And uh, that yeah. was really good. Ant Man is one of my favorites. Yeah, I think Jamie hates that. Um, my wife loves it because it's got Paul Thingo in it. Paul, uh, this the actor. Paul Rudd. Anyway. Paul Rudd. Yeah, he's in it. Yeah. And he, I, I enjoy his, uh, even his cameos in, Mar- in uh, like the uh, I was going to say in Marvel movies, which in, which by that I <laughs> mean the Marvel. Avengers. Well, see, that's the thing. Jamie's a DC geek. Yeah, he is. He loves Superman. I hate Superman. There's just no point to Superman. What are you What are you worried for in those stories? You're not worried at all. I, I do walk the line. I, yeah. I, I really do. I'm literally, I'm Johnny Cash walking the line. That's you, me. I can go either way. I, I really doesn't bother me. I don't get involved. I have my favorites. I have my... Yeah. I like, I like I to loathe. think that I could love Superman in the way that Seinfeld loves Superman because I'd like to identify with Jerry Seinfeld for some reason. And he's got a little statue of Superman. I'm like, yeah, me and Jerry, we're, like, we're tight. I could like Superman. But no, <laughs> no, I don't. I just don't. It's the hair, isn't it? Well, Superman. The fact he's got some. No, it's the narrative lack of concern (laughs) for his well-being. I just don't give a shit. All you can do, actually, the cleverest thing is that uh, Clark Kent is the person that you worry about, not Superman. And it's more about a Clark Kent story, I think. That's where. Did you ever watch uh, Lois and Clark? No, I think I did. Good, neither did I. Yeah, I think I did for a minute because I thought, um, what's her name was hot? Terry Hatcher. Terry Hatcher was hot, and then I was like, nah, it's just not going to get me through it. I'm out. Yeah. All right, well, let's do some Burgle Brothers. We, we, we know what we're talking about there. Let's go for it. All right. All right, that was an exciting part one where we identified everything that was correct in film and Jamie wasn't here to disagree with us. <laughs> or defend himself. Or defend himself, yeah. Uh, right, so win Burgle Brothers for commenting on the Facebook page for this show, episode 88. Uh, that's at facebook.com forward slash sevenlandhand. You know how Facebook works, come on. Uh, we'll announce last month's winner of Blood Rage later in... Needs and twos. twos. Oh, wait. It's not needs and twos yet. No, no, it's not. Sorry, I picked too, too and, early. And also, I energetically flipped over my show <laughs> copy there. Might have heard that. Hey, every month, Good Games are offering our listeners a special offer on the game we review. It's, uh, we're so lucky to have this. It just means that we just get to give games away and give, get you a discount on all this stuff. Um, so this month, while it's March... It's your chance to grab a discount off Burgle Brothers. Burgle Brothers. So while stocks last, you can get a deal on the steel of the century. That's 10% off Burgle Brothers. Meet in the abandoned warehouse directly below your good games, straighten your tie, and state this month's password. I don't want to be Mr. Brown. That's good. That's a good. That was all right, you know. Right. For the next four weeks. I don't want to be Mr. Brown. Oh, who's Matt playing? There's got to be a prize in that. Uh, that's while stocks last. Okay, on with the show. <laughs> Welcome back, Matt. Welcome back, David. Jamie. Hey. Welcome look, back, David. Look, how, look who we found in the internet. It's, it's Jamie Larsony Lawrence. He's just appeared out of the blue. Through the magic of the future, I've come back to the past. You should yeah. regale us with the tale of how you managed to get here. He didn't want to do the heavy, uh. he didn't want to do the heavy <laughs> lifting of the intro Weekend Geek and advert is how he, how he managed that. Yeah, we're going to suggest. Just dodging the bullet. Yeah, we're going to suggest to you. Yeah, don't listen to the first part, Jamie. Oh yeah, don't. No, God, no. No, That'd be bad. (laughs) Is that that what you talk about me? Yeah, moving right along. Uh, We're here to talk about Burgle Brothers this for the month by Tim Fowers. By Tim Fowers. 
This is a crack. And this is a self-pub. This guy must be... He's written himself a blank check from Kickstarter forever with games like this. I might be getting a jump in ahead a little bit to how good this game is and how much fun it is, but my God, this is self-published. Yeah, guess what? What? We're going to get the full lowdown from Tim himself. Well, you you say that. I know, I say that. I say that every time. We're booked in to talk to him in an hour and a half. And and now that you've said that... He might sleep in. But hopefully, right <laughs> after this segment, we'll be talking with Tim Fowers. But first, let's, uh, why don't we learn a little bit about Burgle Brothers by... Uh, now we've got Jamie. Uh, why don't you tell us what the, the narrative slash objective of this game is? Well, have you ever seen a heist movie? Oh, yeah, we referenced not, a few. If not, I reckon we could put together a team and break into a bank and find one. And that's what this game is all about. It's about... Breaking into strange places, sometimes offices, sometimes banks, using your team of specialized skill people, and uh, sneaking around, avoiding detection from alarms and guards, and making it to your loot. Sharks with lasers. Three times over as well. Three, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a big thing. Yeah, so that's, that's pretty much what it is, isn't it? It's like you, you're working as a team to get a particular goal on uh, the first floor, second floor, yep. third floor of a building. Is it, is it is actually a bank or is it just a generic building? Isn't well, it? it's, no, a, it's so a, whatever you want it, it to be. It depends on how many floors it has as to what building it is. Yeah. I think two, 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 two floors is an office, three is a bank, and I can't remember what number what four is, but it's in the rule book. Wow, sounds like we missed that bit, Matt. <laughs> I think it can pretty much be whatever you want it to be, really. I mean, if you're going to go on and play the game outside of the, the rule book, yeah. It's true. I personally like to think I'm breaking into a high school. <laughs> See, really? I was thinking more of a casino, but didn't anyway. you break out of a high school and take up a job as a <laughs> as a store manager? <laughs> that was a... Um okay, so so we were setting it up on the table, Matt. What are we looking at? Yeah. Well, we're looking at essentially three floors in a blue plan blue plan, blueprint layout. Yeah. Uh from left to right or Top to bottom, or however you like, and each floor is four by four grid. Yeah, and then on each floor there are a number of uh, wooden walls which separate the tiles. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then there are also a number of decks to go alongside it. So we've got loot decks, we've got tool decks, we've got the uh, the jewel, the, the boot, the the event deck. Oh, okay, yeah, and the, yeah. and the what's in the safe, which yes, is our, the loot. Yeah, the loot, which is interesting because the loot plays as a kind of a. Um, uh, That's a very fun. The loot is a very fun part of this game. Yeah, and I think we'll get into that in a bit. But okay, yeah. we've also got uh, some. Well, you like to call them meeples, but I like to think of them as chunks of coloured wood. Okay, we got and you get some stickers, so you put the stickers yeah. onto the meeples so that you Thematic. can see the the characters, and you can and the, you can flip them, can't you? If you put yep. a, like we put a different sticker on either side, so the characters have the character cards have two sides to them. They do. One's a uh, basic side, and the other side is advanced players. Yeah, and it's just it's more the skill. So you get a basic skill and an advanced skill on each side. You also get a player reference card. Now, all of these cards are just square, smaller than a coaster, but uh, very well. It's just so they stack away oh, yeah. real nicely in the box, so you're not yeah. trying to Tetris your way through the game. Well, the box itself is, I think, is as we said in the unboxing, is uh, basically one of those magic 
Fat, yeah, like uh, a bundle. The old fat bundle boxes. Yeah, yeah, bundle box. But it's not. It's it's no. it's skinnier than that. But essentially, that's what it is. It looks yeah. like. You also get a it's set of looking box, though. I really like the design oh, yeah. of it. Whether it looks like a building that you're going to break into. It is, and and what's more, it's a, a building with uh, some poster art on the side of it advertising the game. That's uh, Ryan Goldsbury who did that, yeah. uh, and and he's just uh, the the I, th- I think he might have done the artwork on some of our, Tim Flowers' other games as yes. well, and it just suits this to a T. Of an era heist movie, you know, when you see that when you see the artwork. So we've also got some dice, and now those dice, the, they're green and orange. The green ones are dice that you'll use to help you open the safe or open uh, doors that are locked or uh, crack security systems, things like that. And the orange dice, there's three of them. There's three of them are for the security guards. Now there's a security guard on each floor, so. Those dice and dictate they have, how they move. Yeah, and they have a different movement allowance. Yeah. Each, yeah. Which is, in, is great because it scales. So this game mm. automatically gets harder all by just turning up a dice one more value. So on the first floor, a guard moves two. On a second floor, it moves three. On the third floor, it moves four. And those... Those dice don't even stay the same on the floor to floor. They can actually change up or down mm. depending on what happens, the events and things like that. So that's so, basically that's the setup. But you, and your grid of um, tiles, your four by four tiles, which are all face down yep. and have a blueprint back. When you flip them over, when you actually land on them, yep. or or peek ahead, is it peek ahead? Yeah, peek or move. Yeah, uh, you can. Um, yeah, it's peek. Uh, you can flip it over and have a look what's on the other side, and then there's a whole bunch of different stuff, isn't it? Then the building starts to come to life because yeah. you've got all sorts of things like atriums, walkways, keypads, yeah. lasers. Like but there all is security something things. common. There's one. There's two things common to every floor, and that's a set of stairs and a safe. Yeah. Because uh, you need the stairwells to get up to the next level, and you need an objective on every floor, so that's the safe. safe. Yeah. All right. So on the top floor. You need the stairs to get out of the building. That's right, to get to the helicopter that's going to be on the ceiling. Which oh, is on the, the roof. Yeah, which is the roof. One thing I've got to say narratively that I love about this game yeah. is that it's cooperative, but if any of you loses, you don't just all lose because that's a game. No, that person gives up every other member of the team and you're all arrested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> so yeah. it's the ultimate co-op with, uh, well, if I'm going down, you're all going down with me. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's uh, that's it, yeah. So it is a, it is a cooperative game, and that's probably one of my first pro tips before we get into how to play mm. is don't rush anything from this point on oh. because you don't need to charge around trying to do it all uh, as quickly as possible. Sometimes you just got to mm. let the guard do his thing, keep out of his way, and then move on, which is really See. builds that anxiety. Like you, if you were built going into it's very thematic yeah. as if you were in the building. Even that's a double-edged sword, David, because if you don't do enough things on your turn, you've got to draw an event card. That's and right. some of them are really, really jerky. Yeah. yeah. Are, they, are they the ones that we weren't too bothered about? Like we ended up, yeah. Oh, well, it depends. Sometimes you're not bothered about yeah. them. Other times you are. It depends on how many tiles you've overturned, whether you, you're cracking the safe. You might, might not be too worried about the event cards. But um, actually... Yeah, they are actually pretty yeah, bad. The safe <laughs> mechanic is quite an interesting thing. Uh, you actually have to reveal the tiles on ev- on horizontally and diagonal and diagonally vertically, vertically on according to wherever the position of the safe in is in line with the safe. Yep. Yeah, 
and then the combination to unlock the safe is a little number on each card, uh, which is where the green dice come into play. So you're rolling for those numbers. And the great thing is it doesn't make you roll for every, every individual number. If you roll multiples of numbers, so let's say you roll a one and there are two or three cards with a one value in the corner, you actually score all three. Yeah. Right. So it's it's can you can go through it really quickly. So it's neat. You find the safe, and then everybody's got to run off and find, uncover all of those yeah. tiles horizontally and vertically, and then you got to roll dice to match all those numbers. Yeah. But how do you go about? You know, what's there's a limiting factor to how many dice you can roll, right? There is. Well, each every character has their own ability. Okay, and a lot of those govern how they move around the the actions that they can take moving around the floor. Uh, there are tools that allow you to have certain modifiers. The key card is one, whereas if you found the key card, you have to, and it's in your possession, you have to be the person that opens the safe. Mm. So that's or one of those can, limiting yeah. things. That, yeah. you know, there's the cat. where You can, if, you can pass the key card. You can. You can yeah, pass yeah. things on as an action. Yeah. But your actions, there are, uh, there are five actions you can take. The first one is to move. Okay. The second one is to peek, which is where you have a look at a card, turn it over, tile. adjacent without actually stepping onto it. Uh, you could hack a computer, which is a you basically get a, a hack token which you put on a security system. Maybe it's the laser grid, maybe it's the fingerprint scanner, mm. something like that. And you can the tile can you accumulate can those, those up to a number of six, up to a total of six. And those things you can spend later on to stop you from springing a system, uh, springing the fingerprint scanner and getting caught, you know. Yeah. Uh, setting off an alarm, basically. Uh, you can add a dice to a safe, which costs two actions to do. So that's that's what I was getting at before, yeah. isn't it? It's like to, to roll, you have to accumulate dice, dice on yeah. the safe tile. Yep. And you have to have a character there who then says, right, I'm going to try and roll. So yeah. they grab the dice that have accumulated and you and away you go. Yeah, so the first action, and I think this <clears throat> game really works well where you're working in teams. So you've got a team who's investigating the floor, trying to find the safe and the stairwell, mm. uh, making sure that all the tiles that you're trying to crack for the combination are uncovered. And uh, basically they're playing havoc with the guard as well. And then there's a t- the other team is doing the safe cracking. So one of them's adding dice to the safe and then the other player is doing the last action, which is rolling the dice to crack the combination. And you only, you only um, draw an event card if you do two or few ac- yeah. actions. So. Which is a very interesting way of um, yeah. l- creating uh, <clears throat> limits to the game. You know, I think if you, if you didn't have that, it would be too easy. So it forces you into making actions unless you can't move. Let's say you're backed into a corner, you'd get busted yeah. by the security guard. You just go hide under the table. So, well, and... I'm not moving. Yeah. I haven't spent my t- at least two actions. I'll take an event and hope that it's not going to be something that will screw you over. And the rule book's very specific about not being jerky and just going, yeah. I'll go to this square, then back, yeah. and then this square, and back. It goes, you know, if, unless there's a reason for doing it, that, that doesn't it. get you out of the two. Yeah, so you can't just walk up and down that hallway four times. Yeah. You've got to actually go and do four different things or, or, more or at least two. move four different yeah. places. Take two, yeah. few, take two or more, well, more than two actions. And the final thing... Some of those thing, cards, they're, they're, they're often a mixed blessing. A lot of them move the guard, uh, but not necessarily to places that you want to move the guard. Yeah. No. It, it's good seeing the, how the guard moves around and how that gets affected. And uh, after you've done floor one, where I think you can move two 
uh, tiles at a time, you start getting a little bit panicky when you go up a floor and then you can move three because you realize, wow, that's actually quite a lot. And, yeah. um, and he's moving from one objective to another, to another, to another. And that's mm. part of the AI. You flip a card to determine where his next uh, objective is yeah. that he's heading towards. So after every player turn, every individual player turn, there's a guard turn where if there's a, there's a predetermined destination for the guard, if they don't reach that destination, fine, they just stop where they are. Yeah, and they might, it they proceeds might, to the next player and then they move again. They However, might get distracted by an alarm though, that, as well. Something like, like that, that yeah. yeah. But if they reach their destination, then that's where you draw another card and then it sets a new dis- destination. So it's a, yeah. a pre-programmed route that changes. Uh, According to the, you know, it's like, it's like the guard just checking out, just uh, wandering yeah. around, having a look, going, going downstairs, having a bite. Yep. Well, he doesn't go downstairs. He stays on the same floor in his game. But, you know, he goes, gets a donut and has a coffee. All right, let's Photocopies just... his ass on the photocopier. Yeah, you've got to do that, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, all these, you know, the donuts and the, and the ass photocopying yeah. aren't all in the same room. So he's got oh. to move around the building. That's it. And he, but he has a different set of rules because he's got key cards and keys to get through. He can go through any door. He can go through... Uh, fingerprint scanners without setting them off, so he can move with impunity around the board. Yeah, whereas on you, every floor you can hit some tiles where it's like it costs you three to enter yeah. or three to leave, and yeah, that's that's going to tie you down. That's it. Uh, I played this solo, and I quite enjoyed the solo version where all I that's the, the only the company tweet, was better. Well, that's yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, much better quality. No, no. Uh, I enjoyed playing with you and Travis. Yeah, too. yeah. No, no. We, we had your great game. What uh, the solo game has. Basically, the AI works this way. So the deck of cards for your guard movement on each floor is culled by down to nine cards. And then whenever the nine cards are are played through completely, you then shuffle them up with the rest of the cards that were excluded and you draw nine new cards. So you're not going to get... Uh, the same cards in deck every of locations de- from the location deck. Yeah, it keeps changing, which is a very good randomizing element. I think I really enjoyed that because I never knew exactly where the guard was going to be. Uh, you think you know when when all the cards are there when you're playing in a, as a group, you kind of get this sense that okay, you can kind of predict. Where, where it's, it's going by, by elimination. But you would do that if you were breaking into a building and you saw a guard yeah. go and check a room sure. out. As soon as he's out of there, you're thinking, probably not a lot of chance that he's going to go back in there and check it out. Well, that's so it. that's thematically correct. And you've also got roles that will help you with that as well. Like the spotter, for example, uh, gets to look at the... That's one of the different characters with the different, different rules, yeah. uh, different character skills. Yeah, the spotter gets to look at the top uh, card of the guard deck and uh, see it's like where scrying, they're going to for, yeah. uh, for destinations. And you get yeah. someone like the, the, the raven as well who uh, almost sends, sends a raven down the corridor to distract the guard. And um, is, is that what it does? Free, free action, you may play the, as a free action, you may place the crow token on your current tile yep. if the guard starts his movement on the same tile as a crow. And there are no alarms. He loses all movement and the crow is returned to you. That's he's advanced. too busy looking at the crow wondering like, where the how the hell did that get yeah, in here? Why have we got There's a, a window open somewhere. Where, how, yeah. know, I've got to go and shut that. Why, why have we got a crow in, uh, or a raven in Jamie's high school? That seems weird. <laughs> Edgar, Allen, Edgar, Allen, uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Hmm. So the roles are very varied, uh, which is terrific. And it's, the important thing here is to make sure you've got a roles. right... That's right. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. I didn't actually see any that I thought that's just much better than others. Uh, There really are a mix and just interesting stuff. 
Yeah. Well, I think out of all of them, Jamie, the hacker was the one that stood out for me because they were just able to shut down systems, stop you from turning on alarms, things like that. <clears throat> and I found in the solo games I played, the hacker was enabled me to move around the board very quickly without getting too caught up. So I found... Uh, from a solo point of view, the hacker to be mm. the most useful. So he goes to a tile that has an alarm or it's something that would trigger if you were yeah. to walk into it and walk out of it or even just enter it, and other players will not trigger that alarm whilst you That's were right. there. Yep. But he can't be everywhere. Like no, if you're trying to unlock all those safe locations, he's moving around too. But he still, you know, he gets caught like every other character. What we didn't talk about was the... Uh, the, uh, the tokens that allow you to be... Hidden. Stealth tokens. The stealth tokens, thank yeah. you. I was thinking of the word and I couldn't think of it. Uh, you get three stealth tokens at the start of the game. Once those three stealth tokens are gone, which means you've been spotted by the guard three times, that's it. That's game over, man. Game yeah, and over. for everybody, like Jamie says, he's got the, whoever gets caught is turning everybody in. Rolls so over on you all. No one's going in. Do you want to talk a little, Jamie, do you want to tell us a little about what we find inside the safe? Yeah, so... Um some of the loot that you can be grabbing, it's pretty amazing stuff. Like, you wouldn't think that uh, you'd find a cat <laughs> in a safe. Yeah. yeah. But you do in this game. And once, what's more, once you do find it and you're trying to carry it out of the building, every turn you've got to roll a die and uh, sometimes it just wanders off and triggers an alarm. Yeah, that's, I think you're Jerk about, cats. Oh, I think that's the chihuahua, isn't it? No, no. Yep. Is, oh. No, the, the cat goes off and... Uh, Oh yeah, Persian kitty. Each turn, roll a die. If one or two kitty, if one or two kitty moves one tile towards the nearest alarm, yeah. <laughs> so it's playing with fire. Yep. And there's a chihuahua yep. in some of the other safes as well. Each turn, there's roll a, a die. Maybe you were breaking in to get, you know, some some crisp cash, and instead you find gold bricks, and yeah. you need help carry them. Gold's pretty heavy, you know. For, so if you get if you get you gold, you've got to find the other gold bar, put it in play. Only one can be carried per player. That was an interesting is, one. You never know what the treasure is until you break open that safe. But, yeah. Uh, sometimes it makes the job much harder. I think most times it makes the job much harder. Doesn't it? it adds a, a different theme uh, or, or issue to be dealt with as you go up to a different floor. Yeah. Well, the gold bar one was an interesting one because you, if you find that, you immediately have to find the other gold bar and put that into play. So immediately, it's it's and someone the, else has to carry that around. Complicated because yeah. another player has to car- carry it. Yeah, like and it's said. asking you to move before. It's, everything is just like bang on for theme, though, isn't it? Yeah, it, it looks. It's very simplistic. Oh, I don't know. Simplistic. It's simplistic it's, in the way that you get everything. Yeah. It just it comes very naturally yeah. learning this game. It's very minimalist in design as well. So it's not full art. Uh, sorry, it's not. It's not full color art or anything like that. Everything's sort of. It's uh, iconic. Uh, yeah, washed out. All the it's, f- it's great. I, I, I like it, you know. I, I really like do. my full-color magic card. It's got a really card. great style to it. Well, yeah. this immediately resonated with me because I backed Burgle Brothers on Kickstarter. It was uh, one of the first Ooh, did you get games the, Did you get I the backed. tower? No, I didn't. I wish I did. That, that's my pro tip is if you can track down the tower, do so yeah. because it adds a third dimension literally <clears throat> to your game uh you can stack the floors one on top of the other and it just gives you that uh that depth right, right after this segment maybe we can just uh beg tim Fowles to send us one for about <laughs> half an hour if they're good left. listening <laughs> <laughs> but um I, I really like the floor art they're very simple 
it, you've got walkways that allow you to, uh, well, I'd say move down. Yeah, they're a bit of a trap But you actually sometime. fall, yeah. yeah. If you walk onto them without peeking first, you can just fall. So you yeah. can't hurry. Again, you can't just hurry onto the next no. tile. If something bad might happen. Well, the atrium allows you to look up and down. So very useful if you're on the second floor. You can then look at the bottom, look below and look above. The uh, keypads... But the guards can see you that way as well. They can. If they happen to be on the... the, Well, when I say adjacent, if they happen to be on the... Corresponding tile on the other floor. On the next floor. Yeah, same grid position. That's it, you're busted. But keypads to enter roll the dice opens on a six and you can spend an action to add die to each roll. Uh, deadbolts. You're not going to read them all out, are you, Matt? I'm going to read them all oh. out. If empty, three <laughs> actions. It costs you three actions of your four actions to enter. Very thematic. You know, a do- locked door keeps you out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, let's see, what else am I looking at? The foyer. These are all the colors, color code as yep. well, I think. They're in, they're in collections. The red ones are yeah. an alarm. That's the it. yellow ones are a location that allows you to move in or out or be seen from a different location. Yep. The safe, the safe <clears> is green. The uh, orange ones are doors, uh, that sort of thing. So the foyer is a good one. All pink. The uh, yeah, the alarms are all red. Yeah, yeah. So it rep- from looking at it as you turn them over, you know immediately what sort of tile you're facing. So there's very little time spent analyzing the card to check all its nuances out. You sort of you know what to what sort of card you've just run into. Um, Lab cards let the first player to enter draw a tool, which is great because the tool deck, uh, I found very underutilized, the tool deck. Yeah, we didn't go crazy on that, did we? How yeah. did you go with that, Jamie? Yeah. Look, when we could get them, we did. Uh, you know, yeah. if you turn over a laboratory and there's the option to get a tool there, absolutely I'll take it because most of them are pretty useful. Hmm. Yeah, we, we didn't go crazy on that. Hey, one of my um, one of my pro tips as well that we fell foul of on your player turn card, your player reference card. If you flip it over, you'll find that there's an actual listing of the cards, that, the tiles that Matt read, is reading out. True. And we actually had a discussion at one point in time in the game before we realised that that was there, where we were saying, "Have we found all the laser cards? Have we found all the trap cards? How many more key cards are there?" And, you know, just because we're looking at what skills yeah. we had, what we were having to do, and we were trying to contemplate whether we could expect those to be in one of the hidden tiles still. Yeah. Well, if you flip over your player turn card, it's got them listed there, so that really helps with that kind of deduction. So there's, there's a deduction element there too. Which was great. You know, one of the things that we liked about Baker Street, beyond Baker Street, was that there was that... There's a surprise other level that you suddenly discover. You could work out through clever deduction and, and mm. a little bit of... Um, remembering what's come before, you can solve the puzzle. And that's what this is. This is a puzzle game. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. It's a 3D puzzler without the... If you have the tower, it really is a 3D puzzle. I can't get over how cool the safe-cracking thing is. That's that's so neat. I really like it. It's not just one card, put dice on it, roll a six, roll six sixes... It's completely random. Combination of tiles, and the numbers change all the time. So a lot of thought has gone into not not customization, but replayability, where you end up with a different game experience every time you play. It's nice that you don't have to roll all those numbers at once. That's what I thought at first. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, it's that's like. 
I, I've, I've mentioned it before, like the, mm. the first game that I can ever remember playing was this game called Beetle. I don't know if you've yeah. played that. We've talked where, about that, yeah. Yeah, we've talked about it, where you, you're, uh, every a beetle has a different body part that's assigned to a number on a die. You've got to start with a six to get the body, and a five mm. is the head, and then you go from there on. You can, you know, in that particular game, you can be rolling... You know, like loads of twos, but there's no feelers, and you, know, no. you need two twos, and you just end up rolling forever. And it's one of those completely—it's it's an inane game, but it's great. You know, if you're five and your grandparents are over, and you just got to play something yeah. that you know, perfect for that. This game doesn't fall for that sort of trap. No, no, it's. it's I, I think this is a very clever it's game design. Got into this very <laughs> clever game design. Uh, I was a big fan of it when it came out. Of course, Paperback came before this, and Jamie, you're a fan of Paperback. Uh, love paperback it's yeah. great and i've i've played on ios and i i love it on ios so and what's the, what's the other one he's got uh fugitive is coming, coming out, out. Yeah, yeah it's on its ways very soon i should have that oh it's so, already been kickstarted yeah and yeah it's and it's okay. in fulfillment at the moment so that should actually i think i got a message the other day saying it's about to ship oh wow so that's, that's exciting. exciting but uh and the game before all of these was Walkstar. so that's yes. the one that, that was his breakout in the intro and which I don't know a lot about, so we can ask Tim about that himself. Hopefully, sure. yeah, uh, I haven't heard much about it. Yeah, um, there are no expansions for this game at this stage, except if you get your hands on the tower, uh, which is another question I'd have for him. You know, is, the expansions is are probably just go go grab his other games, really. This, yeah, they're all very short, small games. Yeah, well, are, are they all? Is, is Fugitive coming out in the um, the bundle box type? No, format? it's actually like a little small briefcase. Okay. So it's about half the size, I think. Yeah. But uh, it's a, that's same, a Some kind of artwork? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this Ryan Goldsbury might be his mate and they just work really well together. Well, I hope so because very... they've got a good relationship going here by the looks of it. Yeah, so. yeah. When you see him on the shelf, it's just like, oh, that's it's, it's so, it's, this is so cool. Like he's, what he's got here is it's almost like there's a Tim Fowers zone. You see yeah. it in the shops, you know, the the um, on the shelf there, you know, yeah. the... the his games together occupy a space and mm. say, here we are. I immediately, when I saw the art design for this game, I, I immediately thought Oceans, the Oceans movies. But then I also thought it was like the uh, those older heist movies with Michael Caine and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, it's like that kind of thing. So that, Italian, that era. Italian job sort yeah, of thing. That yeah. era, but which was, what, 70s with... Uh, with that, that just I don't know. It's this cool twist of modern heist films without the the guns and the explosions. And yeah, all it's that not sort about of any of that, is it? Yeah. Hey, Jamie, who so who would you play this with? And who wouldn't you who play, would I with? play this with? Yeah. Well, it's it's pretty approachable. I've got to say, you know, like it's it's a very very straightforward game to learn. It really nicely emulates its theme. Um, I can see myself playing this with with. Everyone from, you know, my hardcore gaming group who are going to get into the theme of it to just people who are playing their first, second game because it uh, it's really pretty straightforward and, like I said, does what it says it does. Yeah. Do you think you can walk off, you know, walk straight out of Target after playing, you know, Monopoly and Cluedo and all that sort of stuff and come and play Burger Brothers? No surprises. You're going to be able to manage it? Yeah, I reckon if you can do Cluedo, you can do this. Yeah, I, th- I think so as well. It's... It's- Especially if you if you own it, because you're you're a gamer, aren't you, listener? Uh-huh. And someone comes around, you can pretty much get anyone through this game. It's it's not that 
no. demanding of you. But the fun is there, so it's not going to be one of those high strategy games either. Where unless you're deeply invested in the strategy, you're not going to get anything out of it. It's a co-op game. You know, you're working together. You can help each other out as you go. Yeah. The I think with the first time you pull out and you start and you're reading the character roles, things like that, you need to take a little bit of care to make sure you understand the role and how it works. Uh, but but that's like any game. You have to really yeah. to understand it. It's not too tricky, That though. was the only thing. I think, well, what did we I get? think we did kind of get we didn't stuck cheat. on some of the wording a little bit. I don't think we cheated or by, you know, when we say cheated, we always yeah. say it was always by accident. I don't think we cheated that much in this no. game, did we? It wasn't like we no. missed a complete no. bit. Except for Jamie talking about it's a one-story, two-story, three-story game. I don't know about <laughs> that. No, we, uh, we, we got onto this quite easily. And, and then when we did, we just correct ourselves. And it didn't affect the gameplay at all. We just got on with it. Robbed. Uh, how many times did we? The first time we played it, we failed. Yeah, we failed yeah, We did. We actually, we all yeah, ended up failed a couple of times. Yeah. yeah. We and failed horribly on the. I don't think we got off the first floor. And we're no. thinking, now we're going to do two and three. Yeah. But that was, I think, what was that though? We we fell foul of getting really overly involved in something. I think you know we were yeah. we were Get, we kind of backed ourselves into a corner, running out of actions and not being able to maybe using our stealth tokens up too soon. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But when we played the second and uh, third time, your son, you know, Travis, got right into this game. Oh, he got into this game straight away. Yeah. He's, and he's just turned 12. So yeah. that, if that's a measure of, of who can take on this game yeah. quite easy. Yes, even to the point where when we did the um, Seven Land Hand Extra last week, he said, well, wait a minute, are you recording <laughs> Burger Brothers already? You haven't played it enough, meaning I want to play this game a lot more before you record a podcast. Mm, but he was strategizing. He was actually, he was literally thinking three, four turns ahead. Yeah. Uh, and what to do with the actions because... I think, I think it's, I think so, it's the theme. Action. It's the theme and the narrative of it gets you. You're in there, you're going, yeah, let's rob this place. Yeah. <laughs> this is a movie I'd like to I watch. Also, I should also like point out my, my, my son is a mad car thief. <laughs> yeah, he's, oh, he's a mad burglar. But he doesn't use weapons. No, no, he doesn't. Yeah, no. No. And he wears a sharp suit yeah, and he it. looks like he's straight out of a 50s movie. He has a ski mask. Yeah, well, it's these days. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> but, he's taken my stride. He's rebelling against all that non-robbery that I did. <laughs> <laughs> this this is a movie. This game is a movie I'd like to see. Um, with it's got all those characters in it that, that I find familiar from all those tropes. Uh, I keep I keep trying. To, I want to make it Reservoir Dogs, but it's not Reservoir Dogs. But in my no, mind, too much murder. Too murder. In my, yeah, in my my mind, it's the suits. You know, I'm going yeah. in with a suit on. Yeah. Yeah. The crazy characters, the acrobat, the rigger, the juicer, the raven, the spotter, yeah. the Peterman. Everyone's known in the uh, Robin community. These, these, these people are known. Uh, what was that? What was that movie with... Um, uh, oh, Hudson Hawk. Oh, my God. Hudson Hawk. Love no, that movie. Not that... Yeah. Oh. You love it? I quite liked Great. it too. Yeah, yeah. That, but th- that's the kind of movie that evokes that's this fits into this theme really well. Uh, those crazy sort of characters, uh, Master Jewel, this Pink Panther, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, right? that's that's what I, I mean, really like about it. Elephant in the room. It's Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, well, they, that's, that's what I said before. And twelve, but not so much thirteen. But. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, yeah. uh, <clears throat> hey, Hudson Hawk fans. Uh, are you talking about the same Hudson Hawk? So I, I'm saying I don't really like it that much. Are you talking about the same Hudson Hawk, the 1991 action-adventure movie, which uh, gets 26% <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes? Is that the one? 
Yeah, yeah that's okay. the one. Oh, no, just, just wanted to make sure. That's good. Yep, yep. Yeah, look, Rotten Tomatoes is a terrible website. Oh, even though it's Rotten Tomatoes. Somebody should Rotten Tomato, Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. I would give it 1%. <laughs> yeah, I, I give you 1 out of 100 Rotten Tomatoes. Take that. Well, um, I think this, this is a big thumbs up from all of us. I think we, oh, we yeah, all enjoy this absolutely. one. Absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, this is joyous, absolutely joyous. And, uh, yeah, it's now's the time to get it 10% off and all that sort of stuff. You can go do it. Well, what do we do now? Uh, well, uh, we, could, um, we could play some music and hopefully come back with Tim Fowers talking about it. Yeah. Well, you seem like you've kept a lot of the con- creative control and design control yourself. Um, obviously, that, that's a way that you operate really effectively. Uh, makes sense to you. So... How did that develop into uh, iOS versions of paperback, which is, <laughs> I really dig that. That's a brilliant port of, one of the best ports of a board game to an iOS device that I've ever seen. Uh, I really love the hell out of it. And Jamie's really appreciative of the, uh, the card game itself. But you're, you're not just uh, lock yourself into one type of media. How, how did you decide, or where, did, where I guess, what was the origin yeah. story? Did, did you first well, work with computer games or... Yeah, so uh, a little over 10 years ago, um, um, I was just kind of, uh, you know, you you go through college or university and you get a job and you kind of get on this normal path. And um, there was a time where I I kind of got inspired. I I wanted to kind of um, be a little more deliberate. I I decided that I wanted to, you know, I wanted to make games. Um, I kind of fell in love with developing video games and board games at the same time. Yeah. that, you know, I, 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 and it wasn't, I mean, uh, really the two that really, uh, knocked my socks off were, um, um, Puerto Rico, um, and, uh, and power grid just with how clean they were and how interesting they were. Um, and I was just like, wow, these are, these is really fascinating. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, I really want to make video games. And so I, I started kind of becoming a designer for both of them at the same time. But at the time there wasn't, really a path for, for board games. And so I, I started making video games with a friend and we spent, uh, four or five years kind of just doing independent video game development. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, we made a game called now boarding and a game called clock words. Yeah. Um, and then while my friend was busy programming, cause I'm, I'm really a bad programmer. Um, <laughs> I spent use some of my spare time to develop Walkstar. um, which yeah, was, you know, like all. Walkstar is is inspired by video games. <clears throat> um, uh, I kind of uh, run the border between them a lot. Like I steal, you know, video game ideas and bring them over to board games. I mean, um, you know, there's a lot a lot of games like um, was it uh, what's his name? <laughs> I'm blanking on his name. Well, what do you think? I was going to say, Tim. Uh, you know, in 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 almost the opposite of that. What you haven't done with Burgle Brothers is it's not doesn't fall back on shooting shooty up kind of uh, mechanics, which we which we just commented in the review of the game is something that we really enjoyed. It gets more into the the fun and games yeah. of of the puzzle. Yeah, yeah. The um, I didn't want it to devolve into kind of um, running around um, and and shooting the shooting the, the guards and yeah. the guards had to be an unstoppable force. They that that's just for the whole thing. To, to, for the stealth to feel intimidating, I don't want. I didn't want the players plotting on how to kill the guard. I want yeah. them to be <laughs> like you are. It's um, 
It's a, it's it's also because I'm finding myself designing things that are less about direct conflict. You'll see that in in Fugitive as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think where, and I think that's a very brave thing to do because there's so much of that out there. And like you said, if your inspiration is the electronic game market, there's there's so much of that in there as well. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, um, I mean, I was in the video game market. I was designing stuff that was more casual um, as well. I mean. I, in, in general, I don't do a lot of the kind of the, the direct violence stuff, but also I found that as I get older, um, there, and there's actually some studies out about this now, where your your desire for like direct conflict and kind of a domination really drops off um, as you get towards like forty. Like you just <laughs> you just don't have anything to prove anymore, yeah. um, and so you'll find yourself drawn to you still like competition, and you still like um, you know puzzles and you still like all these games but the, the the need for me to to be better at a particular thing than another person like it really really drops off and this is for males and females i, um, I, I, I found and, that like you know well sorry sorry i was gonna say yeah I, I i tend to agree with that even like quite a while ago i started getting into like you remember that mist the mist series you know it's yeah. just like it's beautiful environment but it's all about the puzzles I just love being in those beautiful environments and just being occupied by the puzzles and yeah. kind of relaxed with the idea I didn't have to run away from a predator or, oh, yeah. or have a fight with anyone. Oh, yeah. If you liked Miss back in the day, you have to play The Witness. Like, it is an absolute masterpiece. <laughs> Actually, um, I've heard that. Um, I know uh, some friends of mine over in Canada, they, uh, they, they tend to enjoy those puzzler games yeah. and, and The Witness is the one that's come up. So, yeah, I'll be checking that out. But, oh, yeah, it's, um, it's ridiculous. I, I'm... You know, I'm a teacher, and and I don't directly dive into seeking combat in my everyday job, <laughs> even though I work with some children who are probably capable of it. But uh, I, I'm approaching forty, and and what you said there just it describes me exactly. You know, I don't gravitate towards games where there's a lot of conflict. I actually don't find the enjoyment in them that I used to as a young uh, buck, but. So I, I, that's changed my whole perspective on gaming. I do like, I appreciate the elegance of games like Burgle Brothers and uh, Beyond Baker's Street, where there is a little bit of deduction, a little bit of, uh, you know, f- solving the puzzle just to get to the next level, only to be confronted with a, a, a more sophisticated puzzle in a sense, even if it's just because the guard moves differently. Um, so, yeah, I. I think that that probably describes a lot of people in our de- demographic, actually, when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's also the there's a there's a I mean, cooperative games in particular, because um, the the part of the, a big process of board game development is is just playtesting a ton. And uh, I found when I'm developing cooperative games, there's all this positive energy around the game. Like when I'm playtesting and people are giving high fives at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, like I, I want to play test it again, and I, I really feed off of that positive energy, and and so, um, you know, direct conflict. It's like, yeah, somebody, somebody lost, right? You know, or or somebody, you know, kind of throws up their hands, and and in competitive games, there's there's a whole different toolkit of things you use. Like in a competitive game, you want the because of that whole domination thing, you want the winning person to feel like it was skill. And the losing person to feel like it was luck, so that they can feel like, you <laughs> yeah. know, the collaborative um, game. The collaborative game also allows you to bring in players. If you're the gamer and you're doing it at a dinner party, the other people that can come on board don't have to be as, as skilled and you know gamer skilled either. And I think that 
lends itself to a broader audience. Yeah, yeah, and with the, there's there's a big problem that that is is somewhere between a perceived problem and an actual problem. But the whole alpha gamer problem, yeah, um, in board games, in in cooperative games, like um, I I really felt like I needed to try to solve that. And I and, and so with Walkstar, I brought the thing over from from Space Alert, which is time limit. But then I was listening to a podcast with Matt Leacock, and, and he was talking about pandemic, pandemic and he's yeah. just like. They asked him about that, and he's just like, "Well, I just, just, I just decided not to, you know, like, like, I just don't play with those people or whatever." He's yeah. he basically <laughs> just said, "I'm not, I'm not going to worry about that problem." And for me, I was just at the beginning of the development of Virgil Bros, and it really changed my perspective. I'm like, you know what? Like, plenty of people enjoy Pandemic for for what it is, you know, warts and all, and and whatever that that alpha gamer problem is, you know, thousands and thousousands of people enjoy that game. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stress about it. I'm not gonna try to solve that with Burgle Bros. I'm just gonna make, you know, I'm just gonna make a co- cooperative game. It, put, it puts the onus of, of responsibility on the gamer to choose decent friends, really, doesn't it? It's not, it's not your, <laughs> yeah. that's not your problem. And and I, and the game ended up with a little bit of mitigation. It doesn't certainly solve it, but there's this thing in Burgle Bros where there's information horizon where you can't see really past whatever tiles you know about. Um, like, you're, do I do I run into the next tile, or you you don't quite know where the guard is going to go after his current you know little route? Yeah. And and that makes this moment where there isn't a right answer, and so, so no no one can tell you what to do. You have to kind of go with your gut mm. um, on on a given move, and that really removes some of the the solvability of the overall game. Um, it, it just makes you forces you to think tactically and take some risks. Um, and it, it, it certainly helps the alpha game situation, but it's still it's still there. So you've got to seem to have a bit of an uncanny insight into the behaviour and movement of the uh, security guards. Have uh, is this personal <laughs> experience we're looking at here showing through, or did you just research the yeah. ways security meeples should move throughout uh, throughout the building? What's what's uh, your background? Uh, so the, of, of my love of, of of the heist or the the guard the guard behavior. No, oh, the guard behavior first of all. Yeah. Uh, so so the guard behavior. Um, I mean, there's a lot of direct inspiration from like Forbidden Desert and, and what was going on there because I'm like, oh, this is really cool. There's this this is force moving around and and it's you're trying to avoid it. Kind of you know you don't want to get stuck in the storm. Um, but it, but it really felt uh, random. You're like, oh, it got stuck in the corner. I guess you know. So when it got stuck in the corner, it didn't feel like it was it was a real threat anymore. Yeah. Um, and so uh, actually, I had a I had an app controlling the guards. I was going to try to figure out a way to have. Oh yeah. You know, but then and then I'm just like, oh well, there's a thing in in in, in game programming called a star pathing where um, a, a a unit will take the shortest route. You know, it'll figure out the shortest route to go mm. to around a, a obstacles to a destination. And I'm like, oh, if the grid is small enough, that's kind of easy for people to calculate. Like they yeah. can figure that out. So then I'm like, oh, I guess I don't need an app to control this guard. I can just, I can just make this little deck of cards and, and make these little make a way, a way basically a waypoint system. Um, and it it just solved it really well. And it was that was kind of the the linchpin of the early design. Like that was kind of where it turned the corner and started to being what it is now. What we found was. Uh using the correct combination i think of of character roles you're able to mitigate the uh the pathway of the the, the guard by just messing with them every round by using your actions to uh 
send them to re- respond to alarms or to change their their deviate their route. So oh, I think, and that was quite fun. That was a really fun aspect of the game. I found is just my role for for one of the games we played was just mess with the guard, and I really enjoyed that. That was while the others were cracking the safe. That was my my role was I'm going to send this guard where I want him to go, and you know. <laughs> And for me, that became the game, and I, and I really enjoyed that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm actually giving a talk. Uh, there's a there's a, a video game conference called GDC, and uh, for years and years I've gone to it. And this is my first year speaking, but they actually actually asked me to come speak about Burgle Bros. Um, this year I'm giving it next week, and it'll be online for free, you know, some at some point. Okay. Um, and, and so I, I've had to dig back into Burgle and, and, and a lot of this stuff was, was kind of like accident or it was just kind of development. A lot of the ideas really come from friends and from playtesters as well. But, you know, it, 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 I actually am speaking about how it captures the fantasy of the heist and the fantasy being like, when you're watching a movie, part of your brain is like, what would I do in that situation? Yeah. And, and so, uh, Burgle, you know, has these different moments from the, the, you know, the capture, the different tropes of the heist film. And one of them is one of the fantasies is totally out, outwitting a patrolling guard. Like you, you step behind all the right things at all the right times and, and making him look like a buffoon, um, is, is a fantasy. Like you're like, you know, or like you're, where you're almost psychic and you know exactly where he's going to go kind of stuff. And that's, a you know, and by fulfilling that fantasy, people feel like they've kind of answered the question, you know, what would I do in that situation? You, you mentioned earlier the, the, was it what inspired the love of the heist? Uh, what was it, what was it for you? Because, you know, it, it seems like this is more film than uh, electronic gaming here. You know, is there, is there something that really yeah. dragged you in? Um, well, there's the um, Crichton book, I think the great train robbery. And then there's um, Ocean's Eleven, certainly in film. Um, yeah. And then even Sneakers. Sneakers was a big influence for them on the movie end. Um, yeah, I mean, there was some video games in there. There have been some stealth-based video games that were also kind of a driver. But but for, for film itself, it's like, the, I'd say probably those. And, and Ryan, Ryan Goldsbury, who did the art for you, uh, he seems to have really captured it of a, of a particular era as yeah. well. well. Did he have free license to go with that? Or, you, or did you have an involvement in, in how you wanted to portray this heist? Um, the, what, well, there was, it was a, it was a collaboration. So I've developed that style with Ryan over, my, over a couple of video games and a couple, we parent, kind of picked that, that 50, 60 style and it's become my, my, yeah. you know, my calling card. But, um, there's a, there's another designer in Germany called Heiko and he's done several games. He did the networks. Um, he did, he's a lot of Artana games, um, like a new kind of science. Um, and he's a brilliant graphic designer. And I went to him with this game, and I'm like, I really like to capture some some 50s and 60s stuff. And so uh, a lot of the graphic design with like that co- that bold color on top, and then capturing a lot of that mid-century modern architecture um, was all him. Like he he he, you can see some of the proto, the, some of the pitch pieces on on Board Game Geek um, of like, hey, he's like, what do you think about these looks? And I'm yeah. it's one of those things like it's so bold when you first see it, you're like. I don't know. That looks weird. And then you're like over, it really grows on you. You're like, Oh, this, this actually is really cool. But it's so, so, it's so iconic though, Tim. It's, it's like, that's like I was saying before, you know, you can walk into a game store, you can see your stuff. You can, you can scan around and see your stuff pretty quickly. Cause even amongst all the colors of all the board games, it's very iconic. Well, yeah. And 
I mean, I'm, I'm kind of working with a different set of constraints too. Like, because I mostly do direct sales, only the only country I'm even using distribution is Australia. Wow. Okay. Um, because it's just, it makes the most sense there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I have to make a game that, that, that I'm not, I don't want to waste people's like shelf space and, yeah. and I don't try to put my logo all over my box. Um, I'm trying to make something that, that looks good on your shelf and it ships well. Like those are my goals. Yeah. Um, and, and, and bet- between that, I've kind of come up with this, with that particular shape and whatnot, but I have to have something that's, that is worth people finding because most people buy my game through, through my website. Like they come they, and so I have to make something that's unique with the art style, with the box, with the mechanics that, that I feel like I really have to stand out that there isn't just, it's not a commodity. Like and, it's not an, another dungeon crawl or it's not another whatever. And so I pressure myself to, to make a really unique offering um, so that, that people will share because I don't advertise or anything. I just make my game in like a small quantity and, and the word just starts to get out. I think, um, I think the, the limitations that you're working with have actually delivered you with your, like if you were thinking, if you were a writer, it's your voice. If you're a band, it's your particular style, you know, and you know, these things are things that people work on for years. And, and you look at board games, I, you know, I, I don't see that a lot. Even like the big, the big board gamers, they kind yeah. of get lumped into Euro gamers and like American yeah. style gamers, and they get pigeonholed into a particular yeah. type. But where you've managed thing. to sort of find your a, a voice here, I think, Tim. Well, I well, thank you. I mean, it's 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 not me entirely. I have um, I have people that I lean on yeah. um, for for a lot of great ideas because um, it's yeah, it's like I can't I couldn't come up with all these clever things, but now I feel like I have a team of people that together we can come up with, with something unique. But even then, like I, I'm exploring some new territory with some new games I'm coming out with. And I kind of, you know, now I'm starting to worry about like, okay, you know, are people going to be okay if I do something really different in with my yeah. next game and, you know, or they just want me to play the hits kind of thing. Like, yeah. And so I, yeah, I'm aware of that. Um, but I mean, uh, Vlada Shavel, that's who I wanted to mention earlier. Vlada Shavel. Yeah. Um, is, that's his space creepy. alert guy. Yeah, he does a lot of video game influence stuff, but also he has a really diverse, um, you know, set of games that he's made. And so I think I'll be okay, you know. I think, <laughs> uh, but um, but I, I am I am working on a a, um, a follow up to Paperback and a follow up to Burgle Bros. Um, oh, good. So, uh, is so that I, beyond... I will be adding more on them, but I'm more I'm more resistant to do that because instead of just having an immediate expansion. I try to just put all that value in the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, I did like 18 player powers in, in Burgle. I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to like hold some really cool thing back. I'm just going to throw everything that I think is appropriate into the game. Um, and you don't have to play with everything. And Paperback has it too, where there's mini expansions. Yeah. And, and they're not all like perfect, but like, um, you know, people, you know, I let people, house rules are people designing. And so I give people the tools for, for yeah. them to kind of, craft more of their own experience and what they like about the game they can they can do more of that are they, are they um, coming out kickstarter will there be a kickstarter launch uh yeah yeah, yeah. so um the the sequel to paperback is called hardback and uh we are launching in like a month if all goes well oh, and then fantastic. burgle um we're working on more of a campaign thing for burgle um it's still early days though so yeah. i don't want to tell too much about that because you know things change and i don't want to just yeah people. sure mm. Um, yeah. So, uh, Fugitive is kind of, uh, it's, 
an extension of Burgle Brothers. It's like it's a continuation of the story. Uh, and yeah. now that's that's on its way to fulfillment now, as I understand it. I, I received yeah, an email yeah. the other day. I, I believe it's in the warehouse, and Australia is the first place it hit. Yeah, so um, I'm looking forward so, to that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that was that's a direct spinoff of Burgle, where it's it's uh, you just got out of the building and uh, somebody ratted you out, and now the cops are on your trail, and you got to get out of you know get out of town. So. Yeah. I immediately, I mean, for its namesake, I immediately thought of the uh, Tommy Lee Jones movie with Anne Harrison oh, yeah. Ford. That that was immediately. That's where my mind went. And then knowing Burgle Brothers, and then I thought, well, this this was not a hard decision for me to make. Uh, I was going to get this. And and closely, <laughs> I looked at the uh, the artwork and everything. And it's 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 compact. It it's exactly what you expect from the game's theme. Is that you've got a little briefcase. That's all you've got on you, and off you go. So, and that's the art design as well. It's about, I think, if I'm right, it's about half the size of the Burgle Brothers box. Yeah, um, that's yeah. what it looks like, anyway. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I hope follow-up. people like it. It's it, it came together pretty quickly last year, and it's it's just this high high pressure deduction game where one person is just constantly having to keep moving, and the other player is constantly uncovering where he's hiding and. And just kind of uh, catch me if you can, um, you know, and, and then obviously the, the fugitive itself is, is a big inspiration. But again, trying to capture like the cinematic feel, but not through through visuals as much as through mechanics. Yeah, oh, they'll both have their own totally different feel, which is terrific. But in, in this journey that you've gone on to from game design to self-publishing to being a self-publishing game designer, uh, you must have developed a fair amount of personal growth, industry knowledge, um, learned insight. Have you got anything, any yeah. big hurdles that you've had to overcome in that time? Uh, well, Australian direct fulfillment is, is <laughs> up there on the list. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, yeah, I basically, you know, uh, a lot of designers, um, people want to design full-time. Um, and, and, there's, and the main two ways to do that are, you can either design a lot of games and license a lot of games for other companies, or you can self-publish. And I decided to go the self-publish route. And um, and I, but I did it, you know, after having a lot of drama with publishers, uh, myself with with Walkstar, um, and having a lot of bad experiences, and and also just looking at the industry and saying, you know, what's the what is, for me? What is the the best route to, you know, to being able to do this full time? Like, how can I get to that? Get to there? And and building up a direct audience and 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 learning how to publish and manufacture and, and ship. Um, so I have a whole uh, fulfillment network. Uh, I have where I have five warehouses worldwide. Right. So people can they order from my site. I don't even use Amazon. They order from my site and then I can deliver pretty much anywhere. But in Australia, it ended up being the best option was to work with. Um, um, let's play and and good games. Yeah. Uh, to get to get it out, it's just uh, with with time delay and everything that, that I decided to, to work with fulfillment there. Yeah. Everything is a long way from everywhere, Tim. Over <laughs> here. <It's, laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so, it's uh, so, so you, yeah, you maintaining? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying sorry, to innovate Tim. in in my, my business model too. So. Yeah. So are you maintaining a, a day job uh, along along with this then? No, no, no. About um, a year and a half ago, I went full time. Actually, almost two years ago, I started least half time, um, and and now I'm now I'm full time with it. Um, 
And I, I also moved uh, to a different. I moved from California to Utah um, to drop my cost of living. Um, but things are going fantastic. I'm actually yeah. have some, some people helping me part time now, um, and the whole thing's kind of growing. Um, um, but but yeah, I mean, um, the the it uh, th- that was the goal was like I want to do this full time because it feels like like retirement. Like oh, I get to make games now. Like that's yeah. that's awesome. So hey, I'm look, gonna, you know, I've, I'm I'm working a degree job, and you know, I, I'm wanting to be doing a you know my passions in being creative. You know, that's what I'm moving towards. So yeah, it sounds like you're living the dream there. Do, do you have a, yeah. a a qualification or a particular thing that you were the, in, stuck in the grind with before or? Yeah, well, I'd done programming, and I I got a degree in physics, um, but a lot of that was just, I mean, mostly with, with design, I just started doing it um, yeah. as a, what they call indie indie video game developer, and I kind of just got my ten thousand hours in, and now I feel like yeah, <laughs> well, I could I could keep making games. That's the, my only exposure to that's that. Have you seen that? Uh, it's I don't know if it's a Netflix original, but there's an indie gamer um, documentary. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, that's what yes. it's It just seems so full on and intense. Just coming up with these, um, yeah, like electronic game, um, like s- like sort of small scale releases. Yeah. And there's just these guys that just just sweating it out, just trying to constantly having to stay ahead of your competitor or the other. No, group. no, no. It's just like trying to get it all in by a certain date, yeah. um, date, uh, you know, like release date, and, um, and making yeah. sure it's all working and plugging it at yeah, the shows. I- you're really competing for any kind of visibility. There's, you know, there are, you know, other, other, you know, games out there and whatnot, but, um, but mostly you're just trying to get any kind of visibility. Yeah. So, well, how do you stay, I guess, how do you stay sane in all of this? What do you do with your spare time? You know, family, (laughs) friends, pets? Uh, Well, I mean, I've got, you know, family, family duties. It's like, if, okay, if the bird starts squawking too yeah. much. But, <laughs> I heard that. That's why I, was, I added pets because I thought I heard a bird there. <laughs> yeah, well, he'll, if it starts squawking, I'll get rid of him. It's the um, raven. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, um, no, I mean, I try to do some, some kind of work-life balance, but I'm kind of on all the time, and I have probably 10 active projects at a time. Um, <laughs> I have, uh, between video games and board games, I have... Yeah, three main board games that are looking pretty good, um, and I'm moving towards release. And then I have two apps, uh, and even like a virtual reality project. And oh, these are wow. all just partnerships with different people. Um, I don't very few of them I'm doing alone. Um, so I spin up a whole bunch of different things, and they all kind of bear fruit at different times. So is your game testing like a? Have you got organized play like? A- shops or like locations there or is it just a matter of just getting your friends together and saying hey yeah, we're sitting I, down and doing this now um there is a really great group here in in utah that um meets every other week and I, I i lean on them a lot but i don't have any formal group um but i do have like a person that, that works with me half time and and we test a lot there um i'm getting a little more formal about it but um a lot of times it's just hustle and, and finding new people to test I was going to say, do you have to keep finding new people? Because otherwise you're going to get the, the same kind of feedback, the same kind of tastes that you're appealing to. And as they get more familiar with you, you know, they're going to become one of your mates and they don't want to tell you that a particular part of the game stinks, do they? It gets tough. And I mean, friends are yeah. like that. They're going to tell you you're a genius all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the, uh, yeah I really try to um, – mostly it's like I'll develop a, an idea and then I'll go back to somebody I really trust and I say, okay – Am I, is this a good idea? Like, instead of developing it early with the same people, 
I go back to the people once I have a more developed game um, to get their perspective. Um, so it's 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 so I still do use the same people in in some ways, but uh, you know it's it's the most of the time for, for for new players it's you know it's I'm just yeah I got to find somebody new down at the store yeah. um, to get a new to get you know what, what they call them in test in video game testing they it's like they refer to it as uh, as tissues like you can only use each tester once uh, <laughs> so you need to keep finding new ones yeah um, so. So how did you know when to move on? You like so you you're in the in the grind. You've got the passion. You're building the games. How did you, when was there a leap moment where you thought right it, it's going to be now or never? And and well, from what I can see of it, it's it's uh, now's the time to jump. Or are you, are you more conservative yeah. and you had it all locked in? Well, I've done like when I started making indie video games, it was more jumping off a cliff and making the parachute on the way down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, whereas this time around, I was a little wiser about it. Um, I transitioned into like a, a part-time job. Um, uh, and then I, and then I went full, full-time, you know, went, you know, there was a clear path. I'm like, okay, this will lower my cost of living. I have this much runway. Um, and these games are selling at this rate. So I, I kind of had a sense of like, okay, this will be stable. Um, and this, this, this should work fine. It's also, you know, the, the, a lot of these things just become a kind of recurring, that you know they they keep selling long term. Yeah. I mean, paperback is you know um, four years old now. Yeah. Um, and and it you know hasn't it keeps selling so uh, that that helps me feel a little more stable. Um, but you know I can always go work at a diner if I need. To. <laughs> it must make you look at those you know, like paperback and Burger Brothers when you're designing, and you must be thinking. What what is it in that that makes it keep on selling? Whereas these other games we see come, they're hot for a moment, and then the you know the audience has moved on. Do you try to backwards I, I engineer your stuff? I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I certainly try to help replayability, and I try to be unique. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I just you know it's just try to I, I do try to to execute well on it. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, you don't know what's going to be a hit and what isn't like, no. like fugitive is already proving to be a, a really different beast. Um, the, the fugitive is harder to explain than the other games I've, I've found. Um, and so we'll see, I mean, maybe it'll be kind of more of a sleeper hit, um, as people figure out, cause it, I can't say, Oh, fugitive is like, uh, I guess it's like Mr. Jack. I guess there is a little bit of a, explanation there but yeah uh, but when i was just doing a convention with it and and burgle i bring the tower out and paperback you know i say i say scrabble dominion and like it it really is kind of a one-line <laughs> pitch right people get it oh um, we, we get the mr jack pitch that's one of our favorite games of all time that's just like a bruno cathala classic it's just i, I love that game yeah yeah I, it's really really good um yeah i guess i maybe maybe i'll use that <laughs> there's always things where I, you know, but a lot of times I'm, I'm not, it's just when I'm doing conventions because most of the time I just rely on like people to spread the word. You know, I just, you know, people, people play the game and share with their friends and, and then they'll be like, well, where do you get this game? And they'll either, you know, they'll say, oh, you get it here or you go to his website, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Tim, moving from California to Utah, um, must in itself, I can imagine be quite a, a leap uh, oh yeah, so, I mean, it, it, actually, a lot of my family's from here, so oh. and I'd lived here before, so it was more like it was more like moving into your parents' basement. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Was there anything that you'd sort of left behind in California that was, you know, hard to sort of 
Well, leave? besides the weather, yeah. um, the, the, obviously, the uh, it, it actually was was my friends. I had a lot of friends. I worked at Amazon uh, Game Studios as a designer there, and I had a lot of uh, really good friends in the area that that I that had really influenced both Paperback and Burgle Bros. And and so now I, I I call them up or I try to play on remotely on like Tabletopia and things like that yeah. to get feedback from these people that I really respect their opinions and they're really you know friends of mine um, and and I and I kind of lost a lot of that network when I moved here uh, when it came to just pure pure design help because everything else is just material and you can really go without that sort of stuff so yeah yeah, yeah I've got four inches of snow outside right now so that's <laughs> not you know. I was just about to compare heat with California. We've got, it's, what is it? It's quarter past 10 and it's 26 degrees Celsius here. So we had a 40 degree day coming tomorrow. Oh boy. Yeah, I know, right? But you get used to it, you know, it's all weird. No, 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 you don't. No, no. (laughs) You you can say that because you're, you're from England, but yeah. yeah. So, well, Tim, it's been terrific talking to you. We've got one last question that we'd like to ask everybody. And it's sure. just about, you know, we don't know what sort of a gamer you are yourself, but how do you keep your board game collection? How does it, how do you store it? Oh, um, I have these big shelves that, uh, that are, they were actually built by my father-in-law um, for my kids' toys or whatever, but we, we <laughs> kept them in different moves. And now they've slowly become populated with all my games. And then, <laughs> and then but now my kids have their own board game shelf in their room um because mine got too full um and and but mine's a mix of like the top shelves are all prototyping parts and and extra copies of my games and then the lower ones are all my collection but but i actually i i prune my collection quite a bit because now that i'm doing it full time I'm, i'm kind of constantly exposed to 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 new games and whatnot and i almost see it like chocolate like uh there's a new type of delicious flavor of chocolate and I see that as game mechanics. So, like, yeah, I'll have yeah. to get a new game, and I eat the chocolate, and I have to, you know, taste it um, so that I know, like, oh, you know, so it's a new a new thing that maybe I could combine in a new game, you know. Um, and, and, and then often I'll trade it away or I'll give my games away bec- um, just because it's uh, – there's, there's new, new things to try, um, it's it's almost we've, we've, uh, as we've gone. No one's ever given the same answer, and then usually we've come up with a, a new name for it every time. It's this these methods, yeah. and I'm surprised every time they have a new one. And immediately, uh, your method strikes me as what I'd refer to as an area control. You've actually used the mechanic <laughs> to have area control and slowly, like almost like risk, invade your your kids' shelves and like occupy them. <laughs> it's like a game within itself. Well, with the chocolate analogy, impressed. the yeah. chocolate analogy, I was going to immediately went to the uh, the Werther's original box you know but yeah uh, yeah yours makes more sense david <laughs> um in your kids tim uh, any budding designers there oh yes yeah when they're it's always the second generation ones that really <laughs> when it comes to an artist if you if you i know people that have done art and done different you know industries and it's always the kids so my kids are getting exposed to this they're starting to help with my booths and and yeah they're they're starting to to, uh, to do some design and and whatnot so uh, I mean, you know, they're the ones that are going to inherit all this. So, uh, you know, I want to, I want to, you know, encourage them as much as they want to, you yeah. know, be designers. There's my my uh, my son is 12, and he uh, last week we did a a, a quick pod because we were talking to the guys from AEG about the Thunderstone Quest uh, that was coming out on Kickstarter, 
and, and my son thought we were doing the Burgle Brothers podcast uh, a week early. And he went into a panic because he thought that we weren't going to be playing Burgle Brothers anymore. And he's like, no, no, you can't be recording a pod tonight. You haven't played Burgle Brothers enough. So, yeah, straight into his uh, top 10 games, I'll tell you. That was <laughs> interesting, watching um, him get into the game for the first time. He really went for the uh, analysis of the game, you know, to try and plan and uh, control. It was almost like I thought he was going to be the alpha <laughs> for a moment because he was, uh, he was, he he was, was going to tell us, us to do. yeah but uh i think we managed to turn him around because we had to slow you down it's not a quick game by any means it's a it's a very thoughtful game very deliberate you have to make sure that you uh, with the, with the yeah, threat thinking. of the event deck hovering yeah. over you the whole time as well so it's yeah. very cool you definitely get that like you mentioned i think you mentioned that earlier on tim that sense of anxiety it's an enjoyable anxiety <laughs> that you're like oh, i've got to get this done but i can't just go charging around because who knows where the guards gonna go yeah. Yeah, well, and there's this kind of water right, water's rising thing where the pressure over the game starts to increase with the guard getting faster and and you're yeah. running out of stealth and whatnot. And really, what it does is it corners the players mentally to the point that they have to really start to think laterally. So you get usually towards the end of the game, there'll be a really brilliant move by one of the people in the game. They'll be like, "Oh, I can do this," and that's because you know the the situation has cornered them. And now yeah. they're starting to think laterally, like, oh, if I use this tool and then I go through this wall or whatever, and, and that's where your really brilliant moments come out. And it's not an intentional thing. Like, there isn't this particular puzzle because it's all generated, but it's more about I, I'm pushing you and pushing you, and eventually you've got to think, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something outside of the normal, you know. Yeah. So. Well, we haven't had we haven't had uh, people uh, a second time guest on the show yet. Todd Rollins come we've come close with Todd Rollins, and I think we've got Noah Bradley coming back in in September. I think I just released that, and no one knew about it. But it would be <laughs> definitely be great to have you back to, uh, one time, Tim. Uh, you know, just to talk about any and all of these games you've got coming out. You know, um, they all sound fascinating, and I uh, can't wait to play them. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Just... Yeah. Oh. Um, I mean, I've really been trying to support the the Australian gamer community. It's been really tricky, but you guys have got a great group of people down there, and uh, you know, I want to keep making games for you guys. Oh yeah, well, there'll be a lot of lot of Australian. There's a large Australian audience listening to this, so um, yeah, that'll be that'll be really cool. I'll enjoy it. Uh, I was just thinking about. Um, I was just thinking about the game. I was thinking about movies. Um, the character of the Rook. If Burgle Brothers was a movie, who would you cast as the Rook? Oh, he's 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 Danny Ocean. He's he's the yeah. he's the master. Suave. He's George Clooney. Yeah, George Clooney. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's I mean, we got a couple of those right on the nose, like, and then the rigor is Danny Trejo. You know, I mean, yeah, it's like, you know, a couple it's of those. You know, I I got that one. Uh, I got Danny Trejo. Yeah, so I I, I bought a, a a gray suit that I wear to some of my conventions to to cosplay as the uh, as the rook. <laughs> so you also be. dress up as a guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done that. <laughs> Oh. It's like our local game designer Wes. He's he's got a yeah. Cogs, uh, and he's got another game coming out. And he dresses up as a mad scientist <laughs> and goes and presents that. Uh, nice, nice. Yeah. That's good. That's All right, fun. All right, Tim. Great talking to you, man. Well, I hope to hope to yeah, hear from yeah. you soon. If I can do anything, um, and uh, if if uh, I am looking for some playtesters on the Burgle Bros app right now, uh, uh, and because we're getting close to release, but it's a tricky one to test. So sure. Uh, feel you feel free to reach out if, if people want to help me out with that. Yeah, no, definitely. How, how would they get in touch with you, Tim? Just through uh, your just, site? Uh, just email. Uh, I'm uh, At Twitter, I'm at, at tfowers, and then my email is tim at fowers.net. 
uh, people can reach out directly. All right. Well, that's a red-hot tip. Get well, involved. Well, given that most of my board gaming is done iOS these days... Are you, si- are you signing <laughs> up right sign now? i right man? away. I, you oh, know, it's funny because I was... Immediately when... Because um, I've been playing Paperback ever since it released. Uh, I was... And Burgle Brothers, knowing we were doing this, I was thinking that this this is so easily uh, iOS compatible. It's just a matter of making it work. So it, um, it, the interface yeah. was really tricky, but I think we're finally in a good place with it. Like oh, it was awesome. really tricky to figure out how to how to make it work uh, on mobile. Um, but yeah, right now we're mostly doing Android testing, but we'll be doing iOS testing soon. Oh, awesome. Well. Tim, thanks very much for your time. Uh, you can get on with your day. We're going to get on with some sleep. Sleep. And <laughs> invite uh, Saturday. Yeah. All right. Well, all thanks right. for all you guys do. Cheers, Take man. Take care, Cheers. Tim. Thanks. All right. See ya. Bye. Matt's quiz. Matt's quiz. Matt's quiz. <laughs> yep, it keeps coming back. It's time for Matt's quiz. It's so entrenched in uh, this podcast psyche now. That we need no a theme tune for Matt's quiz, I think. We haven't got a theme tune. Oh, maybe Daniel. Oh. From the music studio. Daniel, if, if you're, you're listening. listening. <laughs> oh, Do we? us a Matt's quiz theme, please. Yeah, make it ridiculous it. and, and have, a, have overtones of a loss of hope and all that sort of stuff. Speaking of ridiculous, yeah. are you ready to play the Burgle Brothers Grab Your Dough and Go quiz? Oh, man, I'm grabbing my dough right now. <laughs> How you going, Jamie? Have you stolen a pen from someone? I have broken into a house. That I don't know. I don't even know where I am now. I've just carried the computer with me. <laughs> Skyping I'm in from an unknown location. And using their, their letter-headed paper to answer this quiz. Gee, it's pretty impressive you've managed to hack into their Wi-Fi. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty talented when I want to be. <laughs> All right. Well, question one. Which of the following expensive things has never been stolen? Okay. <laughs> Which of the following oh, yeah, expensive yeah, yeah. things has never been stolen? I can see I've got heading. a number here, and one of them has never been stolen. Okay. Right. Number one, the scream. I'm talking about the yeah, painting. Yeah. Number two, the Mona Lisa. I'm also talking about a painting. Oh, yeah. Number three, Dorothy's red ruby slippers. Oh, Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz, yeah. Uh, a bell from a Vietnamese monastery. <laughs> what just any bell oh, that's that's it it's just like that rundown <laughs> monastery at the end of the lane uh, that's had got a bell in it since like 1842 there's more <laughs> the empire state building my mazda 3 or the stradivarius violin Which the empire the state building yeah all right hang on hang on oh well i already want to call foul on this one there oh, are really? multiple stradivarius violins <laughs> Uh, okay, the most important one. Let's just say that. Sherlock <laughs> Holmes's. <laughs> Which one's that one, Quizmaster? <laughs> no, I'm not giving it the answer away. That's what you're after, Jamie. I'm not giving you no help here. So, what's the wording of the question? Which one's been stolen, or which, which one's of been the following has never been stolen? Has never right, been. You better read sto- this list again. All right, so how do you steal a building? Empire State Building. Maybe that's the answer, but we won't know until It'll the still end. Still be there. All right, the scream. The Mona Lisa, Dorothy's Red Ruby Slippers, A Bell from a Vietnamese Monastery, The Empire State Building, My Mazda 3, or or, or A Stradivarius Violin. I've been in your house. Everything's probably been stolen once or twice. (laughs) (laughs) Question two. Very scary neighbourhood. Question two. That's the cause of it all. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I live in a very dodgy neighbourhood. And it's right. perfectly fine until before Matt moved in. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I devalued that property. All right, number two. Sean Connery has played a thief in how many movies? How many movies has Sean Connery played a thief in? No multiple choice? Nope. Oh, okay. Right. Well, actually, there should be a number multiple choice, I guess. But there isn't, so we're moving right along. Was it one, right. two, three, four, oh, five, or six? Well, I'd written down <laughs> none, so I was... You pushed me for a multiple choice. Yeah, all right. All right. So how many... Sh- well, just tell me. How many Sean Connery... How yeah. many? <laughs> how many times has Sean Connery played a thief Okay. in a movie? All right. Question three. Which of the following four heist films are on the top three opening money earners list? Well, it's not Hudson Hawk, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you four movies. Yeah. All right. Three of them yeah. occupy the first three spots. Okay. All right. So just the one, pick the one that isn't on there. Basically, pick okay. the one that is not. Yeah. So Inception, Ant-Man. Great movie. Fast Five. What? Or Ocean's 12. It's Fast Five. All right. Wow. Which of the following four heist films occupy the top three opening money earners? That's that's box office, at the box office. Versus other other heist movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's very niche. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. I'm pretty sure that those four movies aren't the biggest. No, 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 no. These are just heist films, yeah. Inception... Ant-Man, Fast Five, or Ocean's 12, which, I guess to put it another way, one of these things is not like the other? Yeah, yeah. All right. Question four. In the surfer heist movie, Point Blank, starring the amazing Gary Busey, Swayze and his gang wore what to conceal their identities? Yeah, all right. What did they wear to conceal That's their the identities? That's the first one. Um, it's a solid. I'm locking oh, it's a that lock, one is in. It? Yeah. Well, it's a surfing movie, right? So board shorts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, touche. All right. In the surf heist movie, point blank. What did Swayze and his gang wear to conceal their identities? Question five. I've bought back higher or lower. Okay. All right. In 2003, Saddam Hussein allegedly ordered the robbery of the Central Bank of Iraq before the American invasion. Very wise. That's why, and it's also allegedly. He would know there was nothing in there. Well, how much, how much money was stolen? Did he have the Empire State Building in that uh, <laughs> safe? We're talking probably cash here. Oh, cash so it definitely monies. happened. How much money? Yeah, it definitely happened. In what currency are we talking? U.S. dollars. In U.S. dollars, what is the amount? Let's go and let's <clears throat> beat it, not beat around the bush. It's yes. in millions of US dollars. Right. Okay. So let's start with Jamie. Oh, we're doing it on that live now. Yep. Okay. Higher or lower? Okay. 50 million. That's exactly what I was going to say. Higher. 100 million. Higher. Jamie? 300 million. Higher. David? 500 million. Higher. Jamie? Oh boy, this is going to be long. 750 million. Higher. Uh, David. I hope it doesn't go over 999 million. Lower. Yeah, Jamie. Good. 800 million. Higher. David. Can we just, can we just cut with a million talk and just go 
Uh, is it higher, was it? It's higher. All right. Uh, I'll go for um, 875. Higher. Jamie? 902. Higher. David? What did he say? 902. I wasn't listening. I was, I was just thinking of ways to slag this. So that's stupid... why you never win. No, I was thinking of ways to slag this stupid question off to, you know, <laughs> I can bring the listener on side so they can be sitting alongside me. They're thinking right now they're thinking to shut up, David, and guess a number. All right, 950. <laughs> Lower, Jamie. 935. Lower, David. This is a skill based game. Uh, sure 920. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. You. Have one. Wow, what a sense of achievement. 920. Right now. Well, actually, the answer, correct answer is over 920 million. But that could be <laughs> 920 million and one, you know, for all we know. Yeah, and some loose change. Yeah. From Apparently, 650 million of that has been recovered. Well, that's not bad. They're just missing the odd, the odd $300 million. Well, they, apparently, they found it in one of his uh, houses. Not, well, the 650. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the other 300 million. Yeah. Like, How do you get through that? <gasps> He's bought a weapons of mass destruction hider. Do you know what he did? They're always like 349 million. <laughs> I saw one of those on the internet. Technically, I, I don't know. It, it can be considered robbery, but uh, I think all he did was actually write a check. <laughs> yeah, for, <laughs> and yeah. gave it to one of his sons, and that's how he did. You know, okay. So it can te- technically be yeah. called embezzlement, I guess. History is written by the victors. So, you know. <laughs> question six. Name two wartime heist films in which a ragtag bunch of Yanks are chasing gold. Okay. Name two wartime heist films in which a ragtag bunch of Yanks are chasing gold. And I mean Yanks in the fondest way possible. Yeah, what, like just the racist sort of? Yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) So they're soldiers chasing gold. Okay. Two movies. It's two of them. Can you name them both? Nah. All right. Uh, Jamie, how'd you go? You right? I'm not sure I understand the question, but I've named some films. Okay. So, all right. I I could do. I could go through it again for you if you like. No, no, don't go through it again. All right. We'll see how you did. Uh, question seven isn't a question. It's actually just a really oh. interesting story that I wanted to tell oh, and make, and make oh, everyone geez. listen to. Oh, no, I, I laughed my head off when I, I laughed. So bear with me. Uh, it was from uh, real bank heists that went wrong. Uh, it turns out that in Sweden, uh, a group of men went into a building with the intention of robbing it. And they had such an elaborate plan. They had... Uh, objects marked with the word bomb on them uh, that they left lying around. They set fire to numerous cars on their way out and they also laid like steel tacks and things like that to stop anyone from chasing them. And they got away. They got away scot-free. But there was one thing. In their enthusiasm, they forgot to do the robbery. So (laughs) they went to all this trouble, planned out this heist, set up these bombs, blew up these cars, set up these tacks, got away, and they didn't actually steal How do you know that was their goal? They might not have wanted that. They just wanted the excitement <laughs> of having a nice day out. I like to think that they, they just forgot about robbery because they got caught up in the moment. But yeah. that was just a funny little story. Yeah. And that's part of Matt's quiz, is it? Well. Yeah. All right. Tune in next time. I think we need a, a separate theme for Matt's story time. Yeah. We'll play it, we'll play it after the closing theme. Matt can just uh, regale the listener with uh, nighttime stories of, of robberies gone wrong. We could always have a new segment. Oh, no. Matt reads the internet. <laughs> Matt reads the internet. Answers? <laughs> Answers, all right. 
All right, back to the real thing. Yeah, Question yeah. one. Which of the following expensive things had never been stolen? Was it the Scream, Mona Lisa, Dorothy's Red Ruby Slippers, a bell from a monastery, the Empire State Building, My Mazda 3, or a Stradivarius violin? Jamie. I'm going with your Mazda 323. I David. think I can come up with a good argument for three of these, so I'm going to go for the Empire State Building. The answer is My Mazda 3 has never been stolen. Really? Woo-hoo! Yep. It's such a hot ride. (laughs) I was spinning rings. I knew that all the others had been stolen, so, you know. How do you steal a building? The Empire State Building was not so much... It was actually a stunt. (laughs) It was a stunt that was uh, done by, I don't know, a TV channel or something in in New York, something like that. So it it, wasn't actually stolen. It was stolen because what they did was they forged documents of ownership. And it was a stunt trying to demonstrate how lax the laws are over there about property ownership. And, uh, yeah, so it got signed over to someone, technically. Somebody who did not actually own the building was the owner of the building for a very short time. All right. So well, I did. People sell the Brooklyn Bridge all the time. Yeah, that's it. I think, uh, you know, Australia's been sold a few times. Sold out, maybe. <laughs> yeah. All right. Question two: Sean Connery played a thief in how many movies? David, how many movies do you think he One. was a thief in? One. Da- Jamie, I pick three. The answer is four. So Jamie, you win. The oh, movies were the Anderson tapes. If I knew it was a, a nearest, I'd just gone right down the middle. I'd have played that differently. Right down the middle of what? Well, you know, between you, see, oh, you gave us one to six. I'd have gone in the middle, <laughs> and then like so one's a terrible guess if I know it's going to be near. Anyway, carry on. Well, it was less than ten, so you know. Anyway, <laughs> the Anderson tapes, Entrapment, the first great train robbery, and family business. Entrapment was great because that was the one where Catherine Zeta-Jones, when she was still hot, did that whole thing where she like showed how to avoid laser yeah. laser tagging. Yes, the same. That would get about an eighty percent on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> just that scene alone. Then she married Michael Douglas and she wasn't hot anymore. Just, you know, that's just movie movie history with David. <laughs> there you go. Another segment. Yeah. Question three. Which of the following four heist films are on the top three opening money earners list? Right. Inception, Ant-Man, Fast Five, Ocean's 12. It's actually quicker to tell me which one isn't on that yeah, list, yeah. David. Oh, me again? I'm going to go with Ant-Man because I don't know what Fast Five is and I'm just gagging to say that, but I'll go with Ant-Man. Okay, Jamie? I also went with Ant-Man. Okay, the answer is... In number one, Inception. No, the first one oh, right. is Fast Five with eighty-six million. What is that? What is that? It's the what fifth Fast and Furious movie. Yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I haven't even seen any of those. <laughs> no, neither have I. Uh, no. In second place was Inception. Yeah, Ooh. with sixty-two million. Could be right here. Uh, in third place was. Come on, Ant Man. Ant Man. <laughs> yeah, good. With I want to see fifty-seven oh, no. million. So that means 12. that Oceans Twelve came in number four because everyone didn't care about that after Oceans million. Eleven. Yeah, yeah, so it must have been. Yeah, all right. wasn't as popular. No. Oh well. There you go. All right, I've scored zero so far, but I know I've already got <sighs> one for five. You sure about that? Question four. Yeah, because you did the over and under, and, and, I, and I won. Yeah, yeah. Question four. In Point Blank, Swayze and his gang wore what to conceal their identities? Jamie. Uh, president masks. David? Oh, I had condoms. No, I had president. I was reading something else that I wrote. It says presidents of the USA masks. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that would be correct as a point each. They were, they were all, all the condoms were presidents of the USA themed. Yeah. Yeah. And which president was Swayze? Uh, oh, um, Nixon. 
Was he? I'm just. I should have phrased that as a question because I'm not sure. Yeah, oh, it's definitely. Reagan? Yeah, it was, it was definitely Nixon. Yeah, definitely Nixon. <laughs> there was Reagan. Yeah. yeah, Bush. Yeah. All right. Five. We've done higher or lower. Yeah. So six. Two films set in wartime, where a bunch of American soldiers are chasing gold. David Kelly's Heroes, Magnificent Seven. Jamie. I had uh, the treasure of the Sierra Madre and Magnificent Seven. Okay, <laughs> tell us the tell us the plot to Kelly's Heroes, Matt. Kelly's Heroes is correct. Oh right, okay. Yeah, it's on my list. Yeah. Um, the other one I had was Three Kings. How okay. did you not get that one? George Clooney and Cuba. No. Nah. Really? No, I don't think I've ever seen. Oh, I've seen it. it Mark Wahlberg. Like- they're out there looking for gold, specifically in oh. Iraq. Oh, forget about oh, when it. When you said wartime, I just thought, like, World War Two. <laughs> well, then how did you get to the Magnificent Seven? Because I was casting around for anything that made sense, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> both, right. But isn't it odd that both of you came up with the Magnificent Seven as an answer? Yeah, well, because that's what they used to do. They used to get, like, a whole bunch of guys. They used to go and do a thing, and there'd be some extra prize at the end of it. That's, that was like a bog-standard World War Two movie, and it always had the same okay. cast. Well, I guess Kelly, Kelly's Hero Magnificent Seven is the same movie. <laughs> well, you get a point for this in this case because you guess get Kelly's Heroes. Did Did Jamie do that? One? No, he didn't. All right. Well, let's I leave it there. Heard of Kelly's Heroes? He, he no. had uh, really Telly Savalas, Clint Eastwood. Yeah, when I go hang out with my cousin in England, when I go back to England, which you know only twice in oh, in forty movie. years, uh, we uh, watch we watch Kelly's Heroes, yeah. <laughs> and he watches it every single year with his kids. And, Holy cow! And the, Any this, relation to Hogan's Heroes? <laughs> no. Listen to the the cast. Telly Savalas. I think this is going on way too long. <laughs> Ernest Borgnine. Way, way, way too long. Donald Sutherland. Even longer. Clint Eastwood. Yeah. You know, that's a hell of a cast to not know what that movie, Jamie. Oh, I'm I'm shocked. Yeah. Tony. I have heard of most of those people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Talking was... about people you might have heard of, it's Neats and Twos next with uh, a whole bunch of people who are listening to this wondering whether they're going to get a mention. <laughs> That was Matt's quiz. It's Neats and Twos. Neats and Twos. All right, Neats and Twos time for uh, episode 88. Uh, who have we got there out in the uh, in the wide world of facebook.com forward slash seven hand comments? Well, I've got Jared Visser. Jared Visser? Yeah, who just named a new puppy Loki and then put a picture of the puppy up there. Okay. It's really cute. Yeah, that's a, it's a like a photo entry. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that We've never had one of those before. <laughs> We've never had an actual Loki on the on. Loki, that's what he is. And now we do. Jamie, I really liked uh, Samuel L. Tullock just because he put, his, his comment is seven dusty shoes. You like it makes that? Makes no sense. It means nothing. But he's made more effort than someone who just writes comment. Yeah, <laughs> and we're almost getting to that stage now where people just go comment or okay. You know, are we getting to the point where we start going? You, if you, could, you that's an entry, but uh, we might just like not. You might not win. <laughs> it's getting close. Because <laughs> people, well, it's a bit people hard are, to do when it's randomly number generated. Yeah, I know, but people come up with like really good comments and all that sort of stuff. And I, I hate know. for like, like you say, sixty people come up with some really good comments, and then one guy just come up with okay, and then it randomly comes through well, as him. That's why like, I'm Ugh. taking it personally, and I'm making an effort. 
to engage any of engage those people right. in conversation. So if, if I managed to engage those people, and I did, I was successful two out of three people. So if you put a lame comment on, you might get engaged in conversation <laughs> with Matt, who is the guy that came up with the Matt's quiz and a question in Matt's quiz, which wasn't a question, was actually just a story. That guy's going to start talking at you. So behave yourself. Conversation factor three, Mr. McHale. <laughs> so if you want to engage. avoid that. <laughs> I'm I'm very excited. Uh, I found out some news about one of our uh, listeners and regular commenters, uh, Norton Roughly, who I said to Jamie, he's, he he uh, he goes to uh, Hurstful Good Games, doesn't he? And and Jamie confirmed this. And I said I like his profile pic <laughs> because he's used a picture of Lemmy, and now I cannot distinguish him from from not from Lemmy. And then Jamie comes back at me with, no, that's an actual photo of Norton Roughly. He just looks so, like Lemmy. Massive kudos to Norton, living the Lemmy dream, keeping Lemmy alive, even though Lemmy's <laughs> passed away. That's I'm fascinated by that. That's great. Oh, it's pretty uncanny. Un, un- yeah. Lemmy. It's pretty unlemmy. Yeah. And we had um like who the Ben Evans also he uh, inspired a whole um a whole post on Facebook just with that seven land hand, what is a keepable seven land hand. So credit to Ben mm. Evans uh, for doing that. That's, that's, that's great. I'm happy to do a, do a crazy post on anything if you've got some good ideas. Yeah, the great thing is, is that anyone that gets their name read out, yeah. if, if you're interested and you get back to us, you could score yourselves one of our badges. Just write to podcast at sevenlandhand.com and say, hey, you read me out. Do it now because if you do it in like three weeks and said, oh, back on episode 88, yeah, we're not going back and checking and we'll just <laughs> we'll go, forget. no, we don't believe you and that's the end of that. So do it now. If we just, if you know, if you're uh, uh, Norton Roughly or you're, uh, is it, was it Pete Evans? I yep. just I've lost my list now. Ben Evans uh, and any of the other guys that we just talked about. Jared Visser. Podcast at sevenlinehand.com and we'll send you a badge. You can even choose which one it is. We've got Hyper Magic Nerd badges, maybe, uh, Hot Gar badge, uh, and Advertising Tool badge. One of those, oh. one of the Advertising Tool badges went out to Daniel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you know what? Jared could actually turn his into a, a dog collar for, uh, for little Loki there. That is genius. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, uh, Daniel broke, broke the uh, Seven Land Hand page. All he did was he posted a picture of himself. Uh, wearing the seven line hand badge, the advertising tool badge. And loads of people got on there and said, oh, yeah, great. Hey, nice to see all that sort of stuff. And then the other half of the people were like, what the hell's going on here? This is <laughs> so confusing. Talking? What is this seven land hand thing? What, have you lost your mind, Daniel? His dad must have been one of them or granddad uh, or something like that. Don't, don't, don't make assumptions. <laughs> don't that could have no, been no. his brother. And you just go, hey, Daniel, your brother looks so old, man. He looks like your dad. Yeah. It was quite interesting. All right, um, so the game of the month this this month obviously is Burgle Brothers. Uh, you can get 10% off of it, uh, and it's, yeah, you, you've got to own this game. You'll love it. Uh, so go to your nearest good game store anywhere in Australia and in Indianapolis and give the staff the password. I don't want to be Mr. Brown. That's the password, Jamie. I don't want to be Mr. Brown. And this I don't la- want to be Mr. Brown. No. Do you, do you, can, you, can you name that reference, Jamie? No, I can't. Yeah. Oh, it was worth an extra point in the quiz. Yeah, it was. That was David's quiz. It's from Reservoir Dogs. Um, I had a feeling it probably was because Mr. Keller is always from Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so anytime during March, 20, March 2017, get in there. I don't want to be Mr. Brown. I don't want to be Mr. Brown. 10% savings not enough. Well, you've just uh, we've been reading comments out from the uh, 60-odd people that entered the competition last month. Uh, to win the game, all you've got to do is find the post for episode 88. I'll happily pin it to the top of our um, Facebook page. It's good when you do that. Yeah. 
We've always done it. Makes it easier to find. Never missed a a month. And you can win it. Just come up with a thoughtful comment, not an okay or comment, (laughs) because then Matt will talk at you. All right? (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, right now it's pinned to the top of Seven Land Hands' Facebook page, and one commenter will be randomly chosen by Good Games HQ as this month's winner of Tim Fowers' Burgle Brothers, just like... Oh, speaking of which... Yeah. I've got a name here that's been provided me by Good Games HQ. Yeah. Who have we got? Open the, the gold envelope. <laughs> Sounds legit. <laughs> I, 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 wasn't, I, I sounded cynical then. It is actually legit. It's completely random. Yeah. All right. Our winner. Yeah. Of Blood Rage. Oh. Eric M. Langs. I thought Eric M. Langs won. Fantastic. He designed the game. He'll be wrapped. But what he could do instead is give it to James Russell Wills. James Russell Wills. Congratulations, James. Good stuff, James. We're gonna we'll be in touch. We'll we'll ping you a a message or something and and tell you how you can get hold of that. I'm just trying to find his. uh, It seems that James is in. uh, You Facebook stalked him. Yeah, very quickly. He's in New South Wales. James Russell Wills. It's not James uh, Russell. In fact, one of the players in our hyperbolic blood bowl league over at Hurstville and Town Hall. Oh man, he's a blood bowler. Good on him. Uh, So James Russell Wills, uh, and he said, "Death and glory in Ragnarok." Bang on. There you go. Yeah, go out swinging during Ragnarok. Kill some mofos, Viking style. And uh, we said uh, then drinking and revelry in Valhalla. Uh, James didn't get back to us with even a like. So who, who, put, who, who said then, then drinking and revelry in Valhalla? That sounds like one of that you two. That was the Jamie thing, I think. Well, of course it sounds like one of you two because I didn't do it. So. <laughs> well, now he's got an excuse maybe to get was back one of the, in touch with us. Maybe it was one of the magic Seven Land Handers and they've popped oh, on there and started commenting for us. Those sneaky buggers. Yeah, sneaky. You know, the magic Seven Land Handers... They've been getting at that Facebook page. They've got a really interesting thread going at the moment about whether you can actually have a usable seven land hand. We were yeah. talking about that earlier, yeah. I really like that. That was the one that um, that the, the guy, I keep getting his name wrong, uh, uh, suggested. Actually, within our um, Blood Rage um, competition, it's Ben Evans. He was saying, surely there's a keepable seven land hand. There you go. Uh, okay, so where we're at, uh, James Russell Wills has won the game. Yeah. Uh, Get back to us, James. Well, well, we'll get in touch with him and let him know. And, um, yeah, go, get in, get busy winning Burgle Brothers next month or this month. What are we in? March. Bloody March. hell. March. Third of the way through the year already. All right. Uh, yeah, anything else you want to add? We're moving on to close of the show now. I think that's it. Yeah. 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 That, that's okay. It. Well, what I can add for is the uh, as we move into the eve of this show, MTG podcasts are uh, getting a bit of a, a boost, so to speak. They're going to apparently... Kai's got away. We're going to be streaming the show mm. with his uh, dodgy. Um, um, that. Yeah, he's got a, a, a webcam. He refers it to, and only goodness knows, only knows what he uses that for. He's got a camera. Yeah. He's got a camera. Uh, he's got a phone. Do, we're going to be doing some more video uh, Ether Revolt boosters with uh, Aaron doing that and letting you know which are your best picks. So keep an eye out for some uh, cool video co- content. This is the cool bit. Every single uh, booster that we bust from now on. Mm. We're going to give it to the person who asks the most interesting question, which we'll subjectively choose on our MTG pod question post. So in about a week's time, I'll stick something up on the page. I'll say, fire a question at Aaron, Kai, myself. You won't get, you'll get nonsense out of me and Kai, but Aaron might be able to answer <laughs> something for you. Uh, the, the most interesting question or just uh, comment or anything like that, uh, we'll give them the booster that we bust, even if it's got something completely bonkers expensive inside it. I, I did 
I did actually double take when I heard you say that. And yeah. I thought, well, Whoa. hey, are you re- I have That's got, really and the card name escapes me now, but I have two of a particular masterpiece from Kaladesh. And there's going to be something I've got to think of. One thing I'm going to do is when we get more than 10, 15 questions on a post, I'll figure out what yep. the arbitrary mark is. I'm going to throw that into the mix. So whatever uh, buster, what busted booster we have will also get a masterpiece. In so it. they've just got to think of a question. That's all they've got to do. Do they have to stump Aaron or anything like no, that? No, no, no. They've just got to come up with a question. They've just got to be like, hey, man, that's a decent question. Oh, that's it. That's, cool. that's all right. That was good. Thanks for asking that question. That kind of response from us. And we'll be like, yeah, man, all right, we've done it. And if we get more than 15 on a particular post, boom, nice. there's a masterpiece in there worth nice. cash. You know what? There'll also be a, uh, a new poll up. Oh, yeah. Which will go up in about a week's time. Burgling poll. Yeah, a burgling poll. Yeah, vote on that. All right, so vote on that. Yeah. Use your remote to vote. Oh, well, uh, we, didn't, we didn't discuss this earlier on. Uh, next month, have we got uh, a game already? You know, we were talking about a million and one games that we were going to review for uh, our April game. Yeah. While you're thinking about it, Jamie and Matt, uh, I'd like to point out to listeners it's my wedding anniversary in April. Oh, hey, it's my That's, birthday in April. There you go. There's two pointless facts. Now, yeah. what game are we going to be doing? Do we know yet or, should we, or do we have to wait and we'll announce it a bit later on? Or you can keep your eye out for an unboxing with me and Matt. I think maybe we should keep, I think maybe we should keep it suspenseful and look okay. for the unboxing. Let's do that. Let's wear suspenders yeah. and look for the unboxing. Is that what you said? We might, uh, we might drop some hints during the, during the month. Oh, maybe in a clever post and if you get it, <laughs> you could get a... Signed you, copy you of could Matt's be the quiz. first... <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody. Got time. You could get the, uh, well, you could be the first person to know what the next month's game is. Wow. Oh, anyway. Oh no, super excited. <laughs> All right, that was. I think that was it. I think that's the Burgle Brothers. That's the Burgle Brothers. Thanks, totally Tim. Burgle. Thanks, Tim. And good night. <laughs> <laughs>